Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? My name is Nick Carl. I'm with my co-host, Matt Graham, and we are on week 54 of the Nick and Matt Show. Uh, we have some pretty awesome guests lined up tonight. Actually, one of them is in person with Matt, and I'll let him introduce him in a second. And then also we have Ricky Wysocki, current Pro Tour champion of the Preserve Championships, also coming on around 7.20 Eastern time. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have an awesome interview with Ricky. It was super last minute, so we didn't really get to publicize it or anything like that. But nonetheless, we got him on. Matt, how are you this week? Last minute. Ricky's been planning this from his the time before he played, knowing he was yeah. going to win. Till today, it, yeah, not last minute, Nick. We we lined him up. We we, we lined him up minutes ago. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, in studio, just to put it out there real quick while while we're here, Statmando. This is actually Evan of Statmando. How's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? Really good. And why are you? You're in studio because you actually live pretty close to our home base, if you will, right here in Leicester, Massachusetts. Uh, how far? How far are you from here? How long did it take you to drive here? Just a short, like thirty-five minute drive. Okay. Uh, Not he, too shabby. Nope. Yeah, he's set up with a laptop plus all the stats that they come up with every week. Stat Mando, we're going to utilize him tonight as we recap uh, the event. In fact, the Preserve Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got a lot to cover. But generally, right before we jump into it, because we usually catch up just a little bit. Yeah. How, how's your week going? And like anything, like I know you're doing realty stuff and. Did you play any tournaments this weekend? No, I'm actually trying to think. No, I had a pretty relaxing weekend. I had a doubles tournament. Actually, that's a lie. I did have a doubles tournament that my buddy and I got third place in. And uh, we shot okay. Didn't have a great second round, but it was fun nonetheless. And um, so I did that. And then Sunday was a pretty relaxing day. The week before that, I had a B tier. But then next week, I'm actually going away for a week to do my realty school actually out in Fredericksburg. So I'm going to spend the week out there and do a nine to five class for five days and get all my class credits and everything like that, that I need done and get it done. Yeah. For me, I played in a B tier, a one day B tier, two different courses. And I kind of found out as far as physically, maybe I'm out of shape. (laughs) <laughs> I like your thing. Yeah. You could do two rounds, but I'm feeling it. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, what, what those effects were for me, but I ended up playing maybe the first time ever in f- almost 15 years of disc golf. Nick, I played two tournament rounds, even par. Now I'm not saying I've never finished under cause I've done that. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time mm-hmm. I've ever went like par par. And it's like equally as entertaining as it was disappointing. It was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Did you actually shoot even both rounds or yeah. did you go like two down, two no, over? Like even both rounds and like, uh, that's kind of wild. It, yeah, it was uh, yeah. anyways, everyone could end under par. I should have ended probably six under par for the day, but anyways, that was could've pretty Could have should have would us. And then the other thing is real quick. I don't remember how long ago on the show I brought this up, but I had reached out to Garrett Gerthy and I said, Hey, what kind of grill should I get? And Garrett said, uh, you should get this rec tech da, da 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 da. So I grabbed it. It delivered. And I've been like smoking meat three or four days in a row. Now I've already done ribeyes. I've done chicken drumsticks. I did rack of pork ribs. And then today, right before this, I actually did a full chicken, like the whole chicken 
Wow. Smoked it. <clears throat> so. Good for you. Yeah. Now I, you're making me hungry. And well, we have a long show. <laughs> uh i feel bad i just realized you know evan's here in studio he's probably walked in and smelled some good smoked food and i didn't offer yeah. any but oh, we'll have to have him host. over sooner bad host. yeah we'll have him over soon like he has to come in at like four o'clock so we can chill and eat and then plan the show out All i right. want to throw a uh, shameless plug really quick if you actually if you pull evan back up on the screen he's sitting behind an incredible camera but if you can see at the top of his head He's wearing one of our very own Nick and Macho hats. You can also pick those up at foundationdisc.com. They come in navy blue, which is what he's wearing right now. And then they also have a white one and then a black one, which is sitting at my house here. So go ahead on foundationdisc.com. Check out the Nick and Matt show. Check out our merch. We'd really appreciate it. For sure. All right, man. We got all the niceties out of the way. It's time to play some hardball with what happened over the weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. Nope. Let's get right into it. Let's get into it. So I ended up being a little bit more busy than usual, but I followed UDISC and Mm -hmm. the final round, I actually did sit down and watch it with friends and family. Mm -hmm. And wow, I'm just going to fast forward to like the end because if you've already watched the tournament, you know what happens. Ricky pulled away early. Paul did not count himself out of it. Eagle kept himself in it. Uh, and Matt Orem, those are all names, right? Those are like real names, like in the conversation to go to the end. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can't believe what happens in the final five, four holes. Like I said, at this point, statistically, and we got Statmando here. I'm going to have to ask him in a minute. Statistically, I said, it seems to me as if we're going to have a playoff because of the way the holes are playing out throughout the yeah. tournament. Historically, three people tied. We're probably going to have a playoff. And just to give it all, and this is in the MPO, of course. And we get down to hole 17. Ricky overthrows it a little bit, almost OB. I said, he has to make this putt. If he hits this putt, he wins. Long story mm-hmm. short, Ricky was making insane circle two putts. Um, yeah. So, Evan, what do you? What was the stat, real quick, on uh, Ricky Wysocki putting? Do we? Is there any way to know, like, how he finished out his circle two putts, like, in the final round? Ooh, that- I did not check out round three, <laughs> but... That was uh, that was some killer putting to finish it out. Nick, did you get to watch any of it live? I did. I actually did watch the last round. I think I started when they were on hole six, and then I made it through hole 18. I was able to watch the MPO coverage, and then I actually sat down and watched all the FPO coverage. So the last round I was able to watch. It was really, really fun. Good to see Paul obviously battling for the win. Unfortunately, wasn't able to take it down. But my biggest kind of surprise was Eagles missed putt on the last hole that I think, cause he put himself in a decent position. I also, I didn't get a chance to watch any really post round coverage or anything like that. So I thought the bunker that was in front of that basket on mm. hole 18, I thought that was out of, or like a hazard, like most bunkers have been playing, mm-hmm. but I, I guess it's not. And I was really surprised for him to miss that putt for Eagle. And that would have pushed it into a playoff. So, yeah, that kind of surprised me. Oh, you're right. You just reminded me. Like, I want to recap it all in all fairness. But, yeah, I, like, it still wasn't over. Eagle could have eagled. Um, mm-hmm. Paul could have eagled. I mean, Paul has mm-hmm. been known to throw things in from whatever that was, 150 feet, 120 feet, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Um, but it didn't happen. Ricky takes it down. You watch him raise the trophy bear over his head. And if you're watching live, I noticed the disc golf pro tour didn't recap this in their social media post, but Ricky holds the wooden bear over his head. And like, it's super heavy. 
and he's wobbling it, wobbling, and like Kale's trying to be like, I'm gonna catch it if it falls. And then it kind of yeah. comes down pretty hard and actually like falls on its face and he stands it up like oops. <laughs> yeah, like oops, my bad. At least it didn't break. Um so that was MPO, and we will talk some stats that we saw there, okay? So we're going to come back to stats on that. But Kristen Tatar, just jumping into FPO really quick. Kristen Tatar is made talk shows and podcasts like have something serious to talk about now. As in, we've brought it up before, is, is Paige Pierce the best player in the world right now. And I, I guess I'll say that right now. Is she the best player? <clears throat> and uh, just so everyone knows that is listening to the recording, we actually lost Nick Carl. So I've got Evan in here, though. So I'll just keep talking with Evan until things get figured out there. But like, Evan, you, Evan, you've seen UDISC stats, right? Yeah. Okay. The UDISC world rankings has, do you know who is number one? Yeah, it's Evelina. Okay. What's your, like, just give me your 10 second edition. What do you think? Is that like accurate? Ooh, I think she definitely could be. I have uh, some doubts uh, of her being number one if she's not playing against the best competition. But, uh, you know, I think if she comes over to the US maybe next year, I think she could easily have number one and I think she could back it up. Okay. So we got Nick back and I just want to recount what Evan just said. Statistically, <laughs> statistically, Evelina could be the best statistically. Yeah. But the yep. problem is it is hard to claim anyone as the best if they aren't winning against supposedly the world's best, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And no, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that was the one tough thing when we talked to the you guys last week. That was the one tough thing and maybe the one flaw that was in the system right now is that the events that she is playing qualify to be listed on the UDIS rankings. But the unfortunate thing is right now it seems like her only competition and it's good competition is henna. Henna's obviously a great player, yeah. but she isn't playing Kristen right now. She's not playing Paige. She's not playing Katrina, Haley, Jessica, all these players who have been having a pretty solid year, especially Kristen as of late. She's not playing those players. So I am curious to see how she is going to do when she does make it back over to the States or when our women are able to go back over to the European, you know, style courses. But um, yeah, I think, I've been thinking about it a lot this week. I mean, I think Kristen right now is arguably playing as the best player in the world and watching her play the last two tournaments. She's got an incredible backhand. It's powerful. She has an awesome forehand, which I guess I didn't really realize she had, but she has a great forehand, especially with harps and then even drivers and her putting is super solid. So right now she actually does look like the most dominant player. I'm sad to see her go back overseas because I want to see her keep dominating these American events. But uh, yeah, she, she's killing it right now. Yeah, and so I do want to make the focus of this conversation, Kristen, of course, mm -hmm. because for yeah. her to take it down by 10 strokes over Paige Pierce is, oh, yeah. is important. It, it's a big part of the conversation as to how does she stack up against you know the FPO field. And I'm not going to lie. This is, <laughs> now I'm going to try to build up my takes before Worlds. I picked Kristen to win worlds or no second place second place sorry because i figured in my head she's going to come over page was firing on all cylinders at that point um but since worlds we saw page kind of faltering off a little bit i'm wondering if we're having mental issues again because in her press conference page talks about uh, i think it was this press conference where she actually said like 
publicly like, yeah, I'm not feeling strong with my game right now. I don't feel good about it. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do at this tournament. Yeah. So something's yeah. up, something's up, but Kristen has capitalized and good for her. You know, I'm sure all of Europe is giving us the finger, the, the index finger, like the one, like they're, yeah. they're number yeah, one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they're, they're loving it. Like just the way I would be if we went over to Europe and you know, no one was talking about us. So, mm -hmm. um, all right, we have Statman to win here. Let's pull him in a little bit to be part of this conversation. But Nick, what do you see as important stats here, uh, overall event between MPO and then FPO? Anything stand out to you? It, it could be anything, cash, it could be whatever. Oh, looks like Nick froze up again. That's incredible. So Evan, what are some notables here? What do you, what do you see? I think the most notable is uh, Kristen Tatar uh, leading a th three round event going into the third round by over two strokes has never lost. And going to the third round of this event, she was leading by seven strokes. So I was pretty confident she was going to pull it away, and she did nothing but prove that, uh, mm -hmm. expanding her lead to 10 strokes, uh, and was absolutely dominant going to that last round. So I thought that was, that was really interesting that the stats just backed that up. On the other hand, uh, on the MPO side, uh, Eagle McMahon was tied with Ricky going into the last round. Eagle, in that situation, leading after two rounds in a three-round event, a three-round disc golf pro tour event, was four for four with wins. So this was his very first loss. Uh, so that was uh, the very was really first strange. loss when he was tied or when he's better. tied or leading going into the third round. Yes. And what you sent me on Sunday, you said, hey, check this out. I thought that was a really good talking point to going into a final round because you said, OK, he when he's tied or better, he's always won out of the last four in a three round event. Mm -hmm. But then you gave me Ricky stat, which was what? What was Ricky stat? Uh when he's tied or leading going into the final round, he was only 60%. Six out of 10 times he went on to win. Right. So that was, okay, only 60%. That's, That's but, still very good. But it's, a, but it's a larger data sample mm -hmm. because he's played more times to have that opportunity. So that's kind of interesting to note. But then you gave me also Macbeth. Yeah, I think this was the craziest part is when Macbeth is trailing by two or less strokes going into the third round of a three-round Disc Golf Pro Tour event. He was five for seven with coming back and pulling out the win. So he had the highest percentage over Ricky. Over Ricky, Eagle being 100%. Uh, Paul was, I think, 71.52, if my memory is correct on that, mm -hmm. uh, which is higher than Ricky's 60%. So even though Ricky was tied for the lead with Eagle, Paul had a better chance of winning historically. So, Nick, you're back again. I don't know what's up with Skype. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going <laughs> but on here's right now. My, yeah, my Skype here's my question to you. Out, did, you feel, did you feel like... Like, I don't know if the right word is juju. Like, what was going to happen? I felt like Paul was going to win. How did you feel going into that last round? Oh, my goodness. I asked him a question, and it freezes up. This is, I don't know what he's going to have to do, a full restart. Well, I don't know. But I personally felt like it was Paul's because he wasn't playing poorly in the event. Like, he hadn't played poorly in the event, mm -hmm. and he was within two strokes. So it wasn't like, oh, he's probably not going to be able to pull it off. It was like, I just felt like it was going to be McBeast mode. And right, it, pretty close, right out of the gate, within the first five, six, seven holes. And it was, and I want to say, like, through holes 11 through 16, I think he did seven straight birdies or something. He was pushing. And oh, yeah, like, tied it up. Two, yep. He was two down, tied it up. Yep. So, All right, Matt, I'm back. I'll, you can kind of ask that question again if you want to try again. <laughs> we already recapped it, but I was just asking you okay. generally. Cool generally how did you feel did you feel like paul was gonna win it like going into the last round like were you like oh paul's got this 
I didn't feel like it was going to be a straight up win. I felt like there was going to be a playoff like you were talking about earlier and which I would have my confidence in him to win it. But um, I kind of had mixed feelings about it. I mean, this was generally what looked like a more open bomber course, which we've seen Ricky and Eagle, especially Eagle succeed on all year. And so I think it was, yeah, I would never count out Paul, especially if it's a close race, but I was kind of given the edge on Eagle for the most part, but Ricky came down. I mean, Ricky's clutch gene is definitely there. So he came down the end firing. Yeah. And I think that for me, Eagle has been performing so good as of late that he's been demonstrating that in those moments, I remember times like way back Australian open, like that was like his first like big opportunity, like win a major and he, and honestly he choked. And then like, I remember one year at MVP, he still hadn't had like a big, big win yet. And he was going in, had a chance to win it, choked his upshot onto the green, like massively. Like, I think he's grown out of that. It's not a matter of choking now. It's a matter of there's a lot of good players. He's really good. Can he just, can he keep up and do it? And honestly, he did. The last hole, Ricky made some amazing, seriously amazing putts. Oh, I just realized I have Statmando listed as Ricky Wysocki. That's that's nice. That's cool with me. <laughs> so if you can't tell, we're getting ready to bring in Ricky. Um, He will be joining the show, but why don't Evan and Nick, why don't you, or Nick's getting up now. Evan, why don't you talk to us a little bit about um, the FPO? You talked about Kristen leading the event. Mm -hmm. I think you wrote down some notables here. Do you mind hitting some of those notables? Yeah, well, I think one notable part is Kristen played 33.33 points above her rating for her event average rating. Just not only just just, just dominating, playing well on her part. Uh, I think Paige played a little bit under her her average performance, uh, but uh, she just... She just absolutely dominated, I think, through all the stats. She was just one, two, or three in all of those. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, do stats tend to tell us that Paige is not playing, like, good? Is she playing? What What was her rate? I know ratings are always an interesting topic here. But what was her rating um, for this event? What is it here? 997 mm -hmm. uh, for her highest round. Her average was 973, so she played underneath her rating. Mm -hmm. And she played really well this course last year. I think she was a 1,009 event rating last year for the 2020 Preserve. I think that's like her fifth highest uh, pro tour of all time. Uh, so, you know, just everything kind of led to you thought it was going to be a course suited well for Paige, but Kristen just came out instead. <laughs> If you can't tell, guys, whenever I get to bring a guest in, I'm going to figure out a better way to transition here. But when I bring a guest in, our, our attention gets a little distracted. I think the FPO this year and generally as of late has become more exciting than ever. And even seeing something like Evelina, like destroying the field, it kind of makes the competition seem a little boring, but the storyline is big. So that's, you know, that's the takeaway there. All right. Without further ado, let's see how this plays out here. I've got Ricky Wysocki in the green room. We're going to pull him in right about now. Ricky Wysocki, everybody. How are your putts feeling? Let's just say the back nine even. If you had to rate it one to ten, like how is it feeling for you? My putt was, was off, to be honest. And it was just something clicked after. And it's just like one of those things you see like some those shooters in basketball. They miss, you know, four or five threes. And then once they see a three go in, they really get that confidence. And I think that's the same thing with putting. Once you see one go in, you're like, okay. Uh, there isn't a lid on the basket. They do go in. <laughs> uh, 
And so it was kind of it kind of felt like that. Once I saw something uh, Paul go in, I had uh, I had a lot of confidence. There you go. Now talk to us about one of the biggest storylines. People are talking about what putter you were using for those longer putts. People are saying a Casey Whale. People are saying Casey Pro AVRs. What were you putting with? So I actually switched. So the first round, I, I just I switched to the whale, the Casey Pro whale. It's, it's a little wider rim, so it's like a, it's the same profile, as, similar profile as Avr. So and uh, and so I, I think that allowed me to get a little extra glide and distance on my longer putts, and I was noticing that in my practice rounds, and uh, I really liked that. So uh, I think that was a that was a big uh, big reason why I switched, as I felt like I got effortless effortless distance on the longer putts and. And I think that's something that I can really work with in the future. So I'm super excited to, to be working with a new putter. It's kind of a new fun little uh, challenge for me to, to, to work in a new putter for the, in the bag. I think that's the hardest disc to work in the bag out of, uh, out of all the slots. Yeah, definitely. So we've got a chance to ask you any questions we want. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things we could talk about. I'm curious to know, leading up to this event, it's hard to say that you're you're not performing well, because I think that would be way far-fetched, but maybe you weren't performing up to your standard. Could you talk about, I don't know, you have a very high standard. If you're not winning, you feel like you're not doing something right. That's my understanding. So can you talk about the previous month or so? Yeah, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it all, you know, Worlds was was super, was a super big tournament, obviously. We, that's, that's our number one focus is, you know, trying to, pry, you know, get our game to, to feel 100% uh, at its best for, for worlds. And I just, you know, I had, you know, I had a lot of, you know, weird stuff happening and it just wasn't my week. It was one of those weeks and it happens to, to absolutely everybody. Um, nobody's immune to, to bad breaks or, um, look, I play, you know, I, I missed some parts that I shouldn't have. And there was a lot of shots that I missed that I can control. Um, so that's, that's what I take away is what I can control out of it. Um, you know, the, the one or two or three bat strokes that were contributed to bad luck, that's not going to, I still wouldn't have won. So, you know, it's, it's something to where that's still on me. I'm not blaming it on that, but um, so worlds, yeah, worlds just, you know, it, it just kind of every year at worlds, it always seems like it's, uh, it's someone's event, someone's week. And I think it's obvious to say that it was, uh, it was James's week and it, he was meant to win. Uh, he was playing well. He, uh, I think the fort suited his game really well for, for the way he was playing. And uh, I just I just didn't play that great at the Ford. I think that I played really good at Mulligans, and uh, and just yeah I just didn't capitalize on a lot of the a lot of the holes out at the Ford. But um, that's why we play we play for a long season. I mean, there's just because you don't win the world doesn't mean you can't be the best player for the year. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that we play to, to play consistent. Um, I'm trying to win every week, but I'm also uh, trying to have good finishes, high 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 in the points, and on all that stuff, and, and get wins. So. Um, that's, that's the beauty of our sport. If you have a couple bad finishes, you can make up for it with a win the next week. And that's exactly what I did this week. And I was, uh, super pumped with the way I came back after, after D glow, I got, I got eighth and, and, um, and so, yeah, I was, uh, just, yeah, super pumped to, to, to come out the first round this week and, and shoot a 15. And that kind of allowed me to be in the driver's seat all week and really just have a chance to win all week. And, uh, so that first round really sparked the tournament for me allowing me to feel comfortable. And even when I wasn't winning, I was, I was down by one to Eagle and Paul with like four or five, six holes to play, but I was still right there. I was always had a chance. I never was out of, out of reach. Yeah. So obviously, obviously you came out with the tournament, the first round you shot the course record. And then one of the main storylines I think we can have from you for this week was that Mondo Mando provided us these stats, but you're driving 
was incredible this week. Gain T to green. You were second place in that. Fairways hit. You were first place at 94%. Your park percentage was second place. Circle one in regulation. Circle two in regulation. Both second place. So obviously off the tee pad and on your upshots, you're playing incredible. Where do you think that's coming from all of a sudden? Your accuracy just seems to be there. Is it just better disc selection? Working on it. What are you doing? Yeah, so that, that, that's actually super interesting. I think that um, you know this this course was was uh, was a lot of a thrower's course. I mean, I, you know, it, it can if you're if you're uh, if your drives are off, your putt can save you no matter what the course is. But um, these greens were, you know, they weren't they weren't super challenging. There wasn't a bunch of slopes, a bunch of OB. It wasn't like uh, so, some courses we play on tour where there's water and slopes and OB everywhere. Uh, and so. I was able to control my angles and, and, and use both my sidearm and, and, and backhand approaches to, to really get a lot of upshots close and, and have a lot of tap in birdies. I think that's super important is to go throughout a round and have, have some tap in birdies, not, not birdies that you have to make a 30 or 40 footer every time because that takes its toll. You're not going to make every one of those. But if you, can, if you can mix in a couple park jobs on a, on a drive or an upshot on a par four to kind of to kind of make the round a little bit more smooth and not feel like you're stressing on every single hole to have to make that 30, 40 foot putt to get a birdie. So I think that really took a lot of pressure off myself. So that way, when I had that longer putt for birdie, I, I seemed to make it because I didn't have to do it on every hole. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think that that played a big role. Yeah. So you played this event last year and you were 17th place. Now last year is a different story, obviously than this year. It's a totally different year and season. Um, but you took first this year. Do you think it was your experience on the course that helped you play better? Or do you think the changes to the course? Cause I heard there was significant changes played more favorably to your game. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great observation. Yeah. I didn't play very well last year. I think that, I think that it's, it's a type it's, it's a, it's a good course. The, the design is, uh, is great. The, you know, there's a lot of amazing holes, but it's, it's a weird style as in the holes are really long like hole one's a longer hole but you'd really as long as you don't throw it in the water you basically can throw it almost anywhere on the on the hole uh, to the right hand side and have an upshot for a birdie so last year i was really just trying to throw really far bombs off the tee when like this year i was throwing like a t-bird and just and then throwing a pig into the basket so i you know i just kind of toned it down on the holes where i where i saw danger whereas last year i just i was uh, yeah my course management wasn't as good so i think it falls back to like what you said yeah playing the course knowing that you don't if you throw an extra 50 feet on a hole it doesn't make a difference you're still throwing a putter into the basket mm -hmm. and so uh it was one of those courses where 50 feet makes not much of a difference whereas some courses it does 50 feet may be the difference between throwing a you know a mid-range and a driver so maybe you get a, get that skip with the driver versus the mid-range if you're closer you don't get that skip and you have an easier putt so that kind of stuff plays a played a role i think this year and i was uh, i wasn't as much like attacking the course i was just taking what it gave me and not really over trying to overpower it mm -hmm. i think one of the big storylines of this week as well was eagle mcmahon had a chance to tie it up on the final hole i was saying earlier in the podcast that i thought that bunker played as a hazard i didn't get to watch too much coverage until the last round but seeing eagle land there had a putt for the eagle to kind of tie you and potentially go into a playoff what were your kind of like what are your feelings when he misses that is it just like a huge sigh of relief are you thinking that he's going to make that putt and you're going into a playoff. Yeah, no, that's, it, it, it's, it's a weird thing. Cause I was kind of out of position on the drive. So I really didn't have a chance to get a three and he was, and uh, Paul was, was pretty much, he was on a, I knew when he threw his drive, he was pretty much not going to get a three. Mm -hmm. So he was pretty much out of it. 
because um, he was on an upslope on the, on the 18. There's like an upslope that if you land on that, you just have you have an up, uh, uphill run up that's really hard to, to throw a shot. Um, so it was pretty much after the drives, it was pretty much me and Eagle. Uh, and, and it was, and I, I had a one, uh, I was like, all right, I just need to at least get a four, uh, put some sort of pressure on him. And if we go to a playoff, that's great. Um, I still have a chance to win. So mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was playing for a four after my drive. And you know, I guess, I guess kind of hope he, he missed the puck, but I was to be able to make, make and, you know, did, I was fine with that. I would have went to the playoff like we had to do. To do that, um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really rooting against him to to to, to miss it. But I'm uh, I'm I'm situating myself situationally to where if he does, um, and so I think that's the best way to to describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know he 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 missed the putt, and I was able to to put myself right there and have a tap in tap in for the win. Um, but yeah, and and the other thing that was going through my head is is like the holes in the playoff, like. If if I would have if I would have you know if there was a hole that maybe the first second or third hole of the playoff that maybe I didn't play very well maybe I would have been more aggressive because I didn't want to play that playoff hole but hole one I I had birdied uh I think two out of three rounds and hole two I birdied three out of the three rounds so I was really comfortable with those holes coming up so I didn't mind playing in a playoff at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to get your opinion on what you think. Cause I think you mentioned like player of the year a minute ago. And one of the conversation points you were making, I, I, you didn't necessarily say you were, but what do you think it would take? Or maybe you think you are, but what do you think it would take for you to be player of the year at this point? Um, and just to set that up, just to set that up for you, you just won your 13th DGPT event. Okay. And that's two behind the most ever, which was by Paul Macbeth. If you win two more, you're tied for the most DGPTs ever. What's it going to take for you to be player of the year if, if you don't think you are already? So I think it's going to be uh, USDGC or a Pro Tour Finals. If I can win one of those, I think it would, um, for me in my eyes, with the, the field that you have to beat and, and uh, the amount of, I guess, points and stuff and, and the, the way you, we look at these tournaments, I, those two are pretty big events. And so I think if I win one of those, I think I would, I would be able, you know, depending obviously on my finishes, you know, I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, we're, we're trying to win, but also there's something to be said for consistency too, um, as a, as throughout a season, because, you know, you're not going to win every tournament as much as that's what we want to do as top athletes. We want to win every time, but you also want to have uh, solid finishes. If you win and then you're getting 20th the next week, it's like, you know, versus someone that wins and then gets a top five. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot more valuable in my opinion, as an athlete being able to, sustain that level of play even when you're not winning so mm-hmm. and it's a lot harder to do obviously it's easier you know i win this week and then go into leadstone and maybe just be have a mental hangover and not play as well and get 20th you know obviously that's not what i'm trying to do but you know if, if i come out and have a good showing and, and have a chance to win or get, like i said get a top five that's that's big mm-hmm. um so i think it's going to come down to the usdc and the pro tour finals to be honest um, mm-hmm. i know there's a match play coming up i'm not super i don't know exactly how that's going to play out as far as um, what it looks like. It's a first time event. So I'm excited to play it. It's a new format and everything. And, um, and yeah, so I think if I had to pick two tournaments that I, um, that I think is going to make the difference, it's those two. Wow. I appreciate your insights there. Um, I, I thank you for sharing that. Nick, maybe you have a question. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of talking on the player of the year talk. 
there the three people on that final card, you, Eagle, and Paul, you guys are all arguably playing as the player of the year this year. Going into that final round, you're tied with Eagle, you're two strokes above Paul. Does that kind of amp you up to feel like you need to play your absolute best because those two are on your card with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think anytime, you know, anytime any of us are are in the hunt with one of us following, I think we we know subconsciously that it ain't gonna be it's, it's not gonna be a walk in the park and we're not just gonna be lollygagging to a win. You're you're gonna have to be making long putts, throwing drives, clutching up at the right time, and uh, and really make the shot when you need to. So and I think that you know that's it's almost a motivational thing for me because it's like I know if I want to win, which I do, that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And not that not that you can if you're competing against anyone else, not to downplay anybody else, but we've just been in that spot so many times that there is something to be said for getting yourself in that spot and then succeeding and knowing how to handle the situations. Um, and, so, you know, it, the more and more you put yourself there, the more you feel comfortable and the more you, you know how to, how to react with situations. And when someone puts the pressure on you by making a putt like Eagle did on 16, he made a nice putt. I had to respond. And, uh, you know, it was a huge turning point. So mm-hmm. momentum and situationally being aware of when you need to make that shot, you have to make that shot is so important because obviously every putt's important, but you sometimes throughout a round, you can feel a shift, a one stroke shift could mean the tournament mm-hmm. on, you know, 13, 14, 15, like you saw when I made that long putt on 15, on uh, 14. 14. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that was that, I think that, that was the momentum shift that I needed. I gained a stroke and eagle and uh, set myself up to, to make a run at the win. Uh, if I don't make that, I, I don't think I win the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, just because situationally momentum and everything that, that happened. So uh, I think that that's just such a big advantage uh, for us that we have is we're just weekend. Most, more times than not weekend and week out, we're, we're competing, we're either be competing for the win or winning. And I think that's, you know, this tournament was a, you know, a kind of like, a, I guess a replay of what's been happening this year. One of us three has been winning pretty much every tournament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so coming up, I think there's what? Oh, I just realized we lost Ricky's audio at least. I don't know if that's for everybody. <laughs> We've had a few issues, um, but that's okay. So here, here's my question. The remaining events, uh, um, what do we have left? Four events, five events, Disc Golf Pro Tours? It's something like that. Um, yeah, I think we got this one. We got uh, Ledstone, Idlewild, Green Mountain, and um, I think we have Delaware's and NT. Yeah, and then MVP open. MVP, yeah. So okay. So yeah, we got a decent amount left. Do yep. you have any preference towards any of those as far as the ability or the feeling of you have an advantage at a course, or do you see each of the remaining ones as like, like I don't know, how does a pro player do that? Do you kind of check off like, ooh, I really have a good chance at this one, or do you feel the same about every event from here on out? Um, actually, it's funny you say that because like Deglo last week, I it was one of the first tournaments in a while that I just did not feel I did not feel like myself playing. My swing and my form was just completely off. I told my tour manager, I go, this isn't going to be a good week, um, just because uh, I took some time off after Worlds more than I probably should have, and um, and just yeah, I didn't feel my game. I didn't feel myself, and uh, and so I was kind of almost using that tournament as like a all right, get your game ready, get your form ready for the next stretch of tournaments we got, we had preserve, we have Ledgestone and we have Idlewild coming up. So, um, it was almost like I was sacrificing that tournament to be able to get ready for these next three. So obviously it, it worked out this week. Um, I feel like I'm really getting my game back to where I want it to 
be. Um, so like what you said, there is something to be said for making sure you're ready for the majority of tournaments. And obviously I don't want to have to, you know, take one tournament to, you know, to be ready for the next, I want to be ready for all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think that I, I really enjoy Idlewild. I think Idlewild is, is a type of tournament that is, it can, it can, you can really get exposed if you're not, if you're, if your game's not on point, uh, you can, you can show up and have a great performance one year and, uh, and show up this, with your same game the next year and just get, you know, completely different results. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's just because how punishing the course is. So I think Idlewild is going to be super interesting. I think you'll see a lot more separation. Um, I mean, you still may see us, us three up there. You may not. I mean, that's, 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 that's how the course is. Um, there's potential that's, you know, I mean, you know, Conrad, he's a really good woods player, obviously. And a lot of these other good wooded woods players uh, could be in a hunt. Um, but that's just, that's just a fluctuation of the course. And, and the, there's so many variables out there that are uncontrollable. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just really excited to see who, uh, who actually uh, plays well and makes lead card for the final day at Idlewild. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to us about this really quick. You've talked about it in the past. Since then, we've probably gained new listeners. Talk to us about the benefits of having a tour manager. You were just speaking about them recently. Talk to us about all the benefits that come through that. Yeah, so there's so many. Um, but basically, yeah, she she helps me with like all my sponsor emails, uh, sponsor contracts. She's helping me with um, all kinds of sales stuff, making merchandise, um, planning out Airbnbs, uh, doing fly marts. So just anything you can name, she's doing it. Uh, just to take the burden off of me so that way I can focus on playing and practicing. She focuses when I'm when I'm out on the course throughout the week. She's out at, at, at the Airbnb, you know, selling discs or, or, or doing something, you know, emailing people back and forth with my sponsors, uh, making sure that all the loose ends are tied up, uh, making posts when I need to. And, uh, you know, working with my social, I have a social media manager now too, who makes posts and stuff for me. And so just delegating stuff that I don't have the time for that I still can get my posting out, get my, meet my sponsor requirements and all the stuff I need to do. Uh, she allows me to stay on top of that. And, and so it's friggin' amazing. So I think I'm setting the, uh, me and her both are setting, uh, setting the bar for what, what the future I think is going to hold. I think a lot of people are noticing like, Hey, this is, you know, first of all, he's playing well. And second of all, they see how, how amazing of a job she does and how, you know, and the sport's growing enough to where I think there's a, a number of players that can, can benefit from this. Yeah, for sure. I actually agree very much with what, what you just said there as far as having somebody to be a manager. I've said this for a long time that sports athletes are not managers and, and being someone who's trying to schedule with a sports athlete and they are not managers, it's really tough. Like it'd be easier for us on the media side to deal with a manager and be like, Hey, can they do an interview? But, uh, so we appreciate you coming on a whole bunch. It, it kind of in closing out that we could talk forever. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about this four week stretch of event after event after event? It's hard to even line anybody up for a, an interview, for instance, and you were able to take it, but what do you think? Is this tough? Yeah, I think it is tough. I mean, I think I think there should be I like like two or three weeks on one week off. I think if you did that, that would that would break enough up enough to where it's totally manageable. I think um, I think in the future, I think it's going to be a lot more majority of pro tour events anyway. So you won't have the national tour mixed in. Um, and so I think that you'll be able to schedule it better if it's pretty much just one. Because then, you know, everybody's playing the same tournaments. You're not mixing in 
these other tournaments here and there. You're just playing the pro tour and then the majors and that's it. And um, so it could be a grind. I'm doing, I'm on the drive to Ledstone right now. So I'm in the car driving. Uh, we had eight hours so pretty much just squashes today uh, as far as practicing there's pretty much no practice today because we're just driving all day mm-hmm. um which makes that tough um and so so yeah it, it's definitely a grind you know playing week in and week out yeah after after a while that we get a break and i think that'll be much needed going into the i guess the back half of the year going into maple hill and vermont and all that. um mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, as the sport grows, as the tour grows, we're going to be get better at scheduling too. That's just one uh, one thing that I think we're going to learn from this year and uh, realize that, hey, maybe we shouldn't plan that much. Um, but at the same time, that's what we got. I've been, I'm going to do a lot of ice baths to recover quick after the rounds and, and be ready to go out there and bomb. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm handling it pretty well, and I'm excited, uh, excited for these next uh, three events. They're going to be uh, big deciding factors for, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, getting wins and getting some uh, points for trying to come play of the year. Yeah, 100%. La- last question. Does the ice bath ever get, like, not bad? <laughs> uh, no, it's always just equally as terrible. I just get better <laughs> at handling it, I guess. Um <laughs> Getting comfortable being uncomfortable, I think, is the best way to describe it. That's, <laughs> that's I think, uh, and yeah. honestly, it's helped me a lot mentally. I think that's a huge thing that I've uh, I've found out throughout the years of me doing it is just, like, going into the ice bath and just embracing the cold and just mind over matter type thing. And then when you get out on the course, it's like you feel like you can handle almost any, any, any bad break that comes your way. You're, like, breathing through it. You're like, this isn't that bad. And so it trains your vagus nerves, nerve. Uh, as what the science is behind it. Uh, and that actually, like, there's actually a whole science behind it to where it actually trains you mentally to, to just handle and, and uh, be ready for adversity, I guess. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's physical right. and mental training, both. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. All right. We appreciate your time, Ricky, very much. Uh, get to where you're going safely, and we'll catch up with you another time. Congratulations. We're looking forward to what you do the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ricky. Me. All right, everybody. That was Ricky Wysocki. Um, Nick, I have something that stood out to me, but I'm interested. It, he was kind of breaking up a little bit there. Apparently, mm-hmm. apparently he's driving down the road. He just said so. I don't mm-hmm. know about that. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know where he is or what he's doing for sure, but driving down the road, Skyping us, probably not the yeah. best thing. But anyways, well, no, okay. I don't, I don't think he was the one driving. Oh, maybe not. I don't no, know. I think the chat's team, going wild over it. No, I think his tour manager was driving. Okay. Well, that, that'll be good. That'll be good. Yeah. We'll yeah, let yeah, the internets I, I debate was, that. Like, no, because he was looking like at some points he was making very good eye contact with us without any jerking of a steering <laughs> wheel or anything like that. So no, I, I could. Or he's a pro. Yeah, I could 100% guarantee that his tour manager, I, I, I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but I bet you she is the one actually driving right now. <laughs> Ricky, if so. you just tune back in, let us know. Let us know if, if that was the case. Um, All right, cool. So, but what stood out to you? Anything stand out to you about that? Because there was something that stood out to me that I was actually like, I had been thinking about it this week and he actually talked about it. Anything stand out to you at all, Nick? Uh, just his mental kind of like attitude going into events, especially after worlds. Like he was saying, it's anyone's week, week in and week out. It's anyone's week to win a tournament. And at worlds, it was Shane Conrad at D glow. It was Eagle McMahon. And then at the preserve championships, it's Ricky Weiss hockey. And so just being able to have the attitude of knowing like, Hey, I am one of the best players in the world. I am going to win tournaments. It may not be every single week right now with how good the competition is this year, 
but I'm still going to win tournaments. And like he was saying with his putting, it's like, I missed a couple putts early on, but then when you hit that first one, it's like, okay, now I'm going to keep hitting those putts. And just having that mentality week in and week out, that's always a great thing to have. Yeah. So what stood out to me, and I was thinking about it this week, I think I was actually talking is to my brother or my dad or somebody. I said, Hey, mm -hmm. like if you're Ricky or if you're Eagle, you've already like established yourself on the tour after a number of years performing really high levels. Like it's kind of a win or get last kind of mentality, in my opinion, is how I saw it. Um, but Ricky saw it as you don't necessarily, this is Ricky's perspective, it seems. You don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to get 20th one week and then win the next and then 20th or 40th one week and win the next. Like he was acting yeah. like there's actually something to consider about being like top five regularly. He'd rather that mm -hmm. than win and then another week get low placement. I was surprised by that actually. I think he was more saying for the player of the year stats in that sense, because if you look at Ricky's stats, I'm actually, I got to pulled up on PDGA right now. He has two places outside of the top 10. He has an 11th at Waco and a 14th at Santa Cruz master cup. Now take Eagle McMahon. I know he has a tournament where he had finished, I think like 46 at Waco, but then you take someone like, and this is why I said all three of those players are in the talks right now of who is the player of the year. One of the best things about Paul right now is at elite series events, eight tiers and above, he has not placed outside of the top 10. The only non top 10 finish he has right now is he played an ongoing league in Huntington beach at the beginning of the year. So when we're actually talking about major disc golf tournaments. His worst finish is ninth place out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Let's see 14 events. And he's also the biggest cash earner so far on the road this year. So when you're talking about the consistency, Paul is winning in that argument. When you talk about elite series wins this year, Eagle is winning in that argument. And when you talk about kind of a mixture of both of a couple big elite series wins and decent consistency, Ricky's winning that one. So it's almost like who is the player of the year this year? I think that's a huge topic actually right now. And I was curious, Matt, you're reading the chat right now. I'm curious if someone can tell me if you go on to player statistics on the PDGA page, everyone has points next to their name. When you play a tournament, you gain a number of points. I would just like for someone to tell we me. We got what Stat Mando exactly. in the room, Nick. We've got Stat Mando Evan, literally Evan, in the do room. You, do, you, I, do you know? Do you know what those stats like? I, I don't know what the points are in a sense. I've been told this before, but I actually totally forget. Um, I know they <laughs> matter him, for here, for Matt amateurs uh, for playing in the the uh, amateur championships. It used to matter but I'm not sure that it does as much anymore, except maybe it comes up in conversation for player of the year. I'm not prepared to talk about this at all. So because, yeah, if anybody knows, well, I really, I kind of, cause like if it is in contention for player of the year, you know, there's seven, there's eight people, excuse me. There's seven people above Paul Macbeth being Garrett Gerthy, Raven Newsom, James Conrad, Nathan queen, Kevin Jones, Kyle Klein as our Aderhold. hold reason being is every single one of those players have played more events than Paul has this year. And then Ricky's even further down the list. And then Eagle's not even on the first page of how many points he has, but Eagle has the most elite series wins this year. So I'm just curious what those points exactly mean and how much they do factor into player. Let's of the research. Year. Let's research yeah. and bring it back. And honestly, we'll bring it. We'll, yeah, we'll it, circle back. You know? And it's possible stat Mando <laughs> wants to get creative with it. I don't know, but exactly. we do appreciate them. Uh, but we have made it to this point in the show where it's important that we give credit to those supporting us and really cool things that you guys should consider. So let me go ahead and get into it.
All right, everybody. Hempfield Botanicals. Nick, I've got a quick story to tell you. I played the tournament this weekend, the B tier, mm -hmm. and it's a big course. You know Buffalville, right? Big course. Oh, yeah. I went out there, did a practice round through multiple drives on each hole, and this was the day or afternoon before the tournament. Mm -hmm. I got home, and my arms were aching, and did you see my social media? I was going to say, you had an extra special reason to use your products this weekend. And this has never happened to me before. And I feel bad whenever it happens to someone else. But you got nailed by disc. Yeah. And you got nailed on your throwing arm. So tell us, how did you get through that pain? So uh, it's kind of washed out here. I've got this little salve right here. It's CBD by Hemfield Botanicals. And I've never had this before. As in, like, I've, ne I've never purchased any. I've never had any. I don't know if it's actually recommended for trauma, but I got hit. There was a four call on the course, literally four, yeah. and yeah. I can't see it coming. So I have no idea where, if I'm diving into it or I'm diving away from it. Like I have yeah. zero idea where to go. So I put my arms up and it hits me right in my throwing elbow. I mean, actually, there might still be a mark there. It hits yeah. so hard. The guy was super apologetic. It, like, it's not totally his fault. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. That's debatable. I wasn't really <laughs> upset. I was, he was apologetic. But yeah, I'm yeah. like, man, that is aching real good, real good. So I go home and I put on some hemp feel. And I'll tell you what, it felt really good. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, this is great. While I'm at it, I'm going to pull out this other um, topical, more for your general aches and pains because my arms started hurting like right actually like in the bicep area and like kind of up here where I don't know if it's my rotator cuff area but I put it on and I'll tell you what I was sitting there feeling like this is the greatest thing I've ever done for myself <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. uh this CBD product from Hempfield Botanicals was awesome and no joke Nick no joke I'm like why are my lips so dry it was windy out at the course Windy and sunny. My lips felt dry. And so and this is a perfect ad, right? <laughs> but it's real. Yeah. This is incredible. I pulled out the lip balm. Mm -hmm. I used three of their products in the matter of like one and a half days and was totally satisfied. Yeah. No, I understand. Agree. One of the biggest things around here right now is I've also been using the products, but one of the main ones is the chapstick because we haven't had rain out here in Lynchburg in a pretty decent amount of time, like a decent heavy rain. We're supposed to get some from tomorrow, but it has been pretty dry out here. And I'm not normally a super chapstick person, but the way that this year is going, especially when I was out in Utah, I could have used this every single day. And right now I've been using the Botanicals Hempfield uh, lip balm that they did send us. And then just for my casual aches and pains, I am putting on the lotion and everything like that. And I am feeling better, especially with my neck. For some odd reason, I'm sleeping bad lately when it comes to my neck pain and it, it has been helping me out. It's awesome. I told you even the smell. So here's the deal. I do it, like the smell. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's like I said, yeah. it's like a minty, fresh kind of smell. Mm -hmm. And it cools on contact. Here's the deal, guys. Please go check out himfieldbotanicals.com. Use the code Nick and Matt. You literally get 20% off your CBD purchase. If you're getting it somewhere else, use this, give it a try, 20% off. They are the official CBD of the Disc Golf Pro Tour hemfieldbotanicals.com you will not go wrong with it and for the chat because we're doing this ad live the chat's asking if this shows up in a drug test 
And I'm not going to go on record as saying I am the end-all, be-all when it comes to this information because I can't have you hold that against me. If, if you're doing something else and blame it on CBD, that's not my <laughs> fault. <laughs> but I was assured yeah. 100% that this product, they, they, have pro they do have products with THC in it, but they do have products that do have zero THC and will not mm -hmm. show up on drug tests because that's what shows up on a drug test. Exactly. Um, Matt, 20% off your order is massive. That's a huge discount. Normally people are only giving away 5% or 10%, but 20% off, use the code Nick and Matt. That's just massive in general. Yeah. And just, just finally, guys, this is vegan certified cruelty free. If that's a thing for you, which honestly, the vegan part, maybe not, but certified cruelty free should apply to everybody. Um, this mm -hmm. is awesome, guys. They say, and I agree with it, feel good, play better. I think I had an advantage at the tournament this weekend. I was not somebody who ever used CBD. I'm using it. Go check it out. Use Nick and Matt 20% off at hempfieldbotanicals.com. All right, Nick. Um, we had that awesome interview with Ricky. Mm -hmm. And Ricky's gone. And the chat's going crazy over a lot of different things. You can go check it out later. <laughs> if you're not in the chat, you're listening to these shows uh, later, post-recording. Go check out and see if you can follow along with the live chat to see all the excitement. All right. So we've got Statmando in the room, and it's working out perfectly because we're going to start breaking down right around the corner. Literally, let's see, today's Monday, Tuesday. Went to, okay, two days of practice for these pros because they're traveling today. Two days of practice, and then they start again at a big event. Nick, you've played out at Ledgestone, correct? I did back in 2017. I got massacred. I should say I attempted to play at Ledgestone. What I really did was made sure that I got my money's worth. So I played a lot of shots, but funny story. Ledgestone is the one time that I've ever had a scoring error and got two stroke penalty for it. And then because of that two stroke penalty, I, I was the last person to make the cut. So I still made the cut, but I was the last person to make the cut. And so make sure you check your scorecards. Now it's not as hard because of UDISC and PDGA Live. But back then, I was adding up sevens and sixes and fives and eights. And there was a lot of numbers, and I, I miscounted it. So that kind of sucked. <laughs> I was wondering. I remember looking at it actually on, I think it was UDISC, just looking at the live scoring and see what position I was in. And I remember seeing a P next to my name. And then Paul started laughing at me. He's like, bro, you had a scoring error. And I was like, oh, that sucks because I actually scored better than I thought. And so that kind of screwed me, but I still made the cut. I played a lot of disc golf and it was an absolutely miserable time, but actually one last funny story about Ledgestone in 2017, there was a funnel cloud that started forming. We got hit by this massive rainstorm and then it got super windy. And then all of a sudden it was just dead calm. And we looked to our right over the lake and a funnel cloud had just kind of like started. And I forget if it was Paul or I, one of us took a picture of it actually. And I think Paul posted it on Twitter and then one of the news companies around that area actually used it. And, you know, obviously I don't want to see, like, I don't want a tornado to hurt anyone or anything like that, but dude, I so badly want to see a tornado, but seeing a funnel cloud was kind of sweet. <laughs> seeing a funnel cloud. Oh, that's yeah. funny. There's so many opportunities for t-shirts, Nick, with you. We can do, obviously we could do, it was kind of cool seeing a Did funnel I, cloud. Have, have I seen, have I said, obviously tonight, I feel like I haven't, like, I feel like I'm actually doing pretty good with that. I'll bring in Evan, our, our judge, Evan, do you, did you hear any, obviously? 
Uh, I did not notice one, okay. but maybe I missed it. So, yeah. It's possible. No, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. It's possible. Hey, comment, <laughs> by the way, if you appreciate having Statman, or I'll just call him Evan. <laughs> if you appreciate having Evan in studio to be extra set of eyes that fill us in when Nick and Matt are going off the rails, let us know what you think. Um, with that being said, you brought in, Evan, I believe, some information from Ledgestone's past. Is that correct? Yeah, I got a bunch of good okay. stuff. Do you find just start rambling a little bit and we'll cut you off when we think there's something <laughs> good or or ask us a question, whatever you want. But go ahead and start giving us some Ledgestone Pass just to get right. us thinking. Well, I got a, uh, a few things to start with. Uh, this is the 11th year of Ledgestone, uh, the 6th as a Disc Golf Pro Tour event and the 10th as a PDGA sanction event. Fun fact, the very first year of Ledgestone was unsanctioned. Um, it only had an MPO field. Uh, and I think there was 29 people. Uh, kind of small deal, but... It's grown into be one of the biggest events of the year. Uh, it's known for its uh, high cash. Uh, it's one of the, the highest uh, total purses in uh, the Pro Tour schedule. Um, notable winners, Katrina Allen has won this event five times, uh, way more than anyone else. There's only two people, I believe, with two. Yeah, Nicola Castro won it twice when it was just an A-tier, and then Macbeth has won it twice as a Pro Tour. Um, and, I mean, we can dive even deeper. We can go into... Uh, from the entire uh, time as a, a sanction event, um, who has the highest uh, average rating? At Ledgestone. At Ledgestone. From Ever. all events, all 10 events combined, if they've been to all 10 or if they've only been to a few. Oh, boy. I have no minimum here, so they could only play once. Uh, actually, uh, leave it up to you guys. First guess, who has the highest all-time average rating, round rating? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, highest I... round rating, not event. No, no, no. Sorry. It, Average round ratings all together, average event ratings, all okay. the ratings that they have for their rounds, average together. Okay. So I I peeked at it because I'm actually looking at the spreadsheet because it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Wait, but I didn't I'll peek at you, it. But I'll all tell right. you this. My my answer that I would have said. Like, Don't say it. Don't say it. It's who you would have said, though. Okay, so I want the chat to think about this. I want those driving around in their cars to be thinking about this. Those working at work and your mechanic shop. Shout out to everybody that's doing Nick, real quick, I'm off topic. There was someone who literally messaged us and said they listened to our show while they cut up human body parts. Dude, I, don't, I saw that on Instagram, right? Yeah, and I kind of looked, it's like a real job, but it was kind of, if that's you, thank you for listening. If you caught this, yeah. hopefully it made you smile. But here's the deal. And then, wait, if I just want to know if that person ever has like a take your favorite <laughs> podcast people to work day. You hit us up. Like, I, I'd love to go see that. That'd be sweet. Oh, I, that's interesting, dude. I don't know. That would be interesting. I probably wouldn't turn it down, but it would be an experience. Okay. So exactly. we've given enough time to think about it. Average, it, to me, it's either Eagle or Paul. I mean, uh, Ricky or Paul. And I'm going to say... I'm probably wrong, so I should just switch, right? That's how this game works. You think you're wrong? <laughs> no, I'm going with Ricky. It is not. That's it is Paul. Paul. <laughs> Ricky is nope. close behind. He is third. Someone else is second. I'll give you five seconds to guess who they are. It is more they're, they're, Sexton. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, it is Simon Lazad, actually. I think he's played mm -hmm. it twice. Wow. Uh, yes, he's played it twice. Uh, Winning it once, right? Uh, yes, that Obviously. is correct. Yep. Yeah, he, uh, he won it um, when it was the first year as a national tour in 2015. It was... It was 15, right? Yeah, it, it was an it was an A tier for three years from 
2012, 2014, 2015 was a national tour. And then when the pro tour started in 2016, it joined the pro tour and it has been since. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, I think one of the most interesting stats, I'm loving actually reading this spreadsheet. I think one of the most interesting. (laughs) Wait a second. Hold on. That's a pause. There's sometimes there's moments where we have to cut you off because I thought in my lifetime, I'd never hear Nick Sam loving reading a spreadsheet. Okay. I'll say this because one, because it's disc golf and I love disc golf and I, I do care about ratings right now. And, but I think the biggest thing that I care about is cash. Like I, I just love reading the cash stuff. I'm so pumped at how the pro tour is doing. Like Kristen just won five grand at a pro tour. She just won four grand the week before, like, dude, she's made 15 grand in the, what was it? 60 days that she was here in the U S or something like Ooh. that. Anywho, um, the total amount of cash that a player has made at Ledgestone that is mind blowing to me. And Matt, I just give me a ballpark. Obviously Paul has played the best year. So he's more than likely the person who has this stat just ballpark. How much cash you think he has won at this event? Me guess you're saying, is this information, yeah. you know? Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm looking at it. And you're saying, Paul, <laughs> I, I don't, I could pull it up, but I'm going to play the game for those who are <laughs> play playing game, along. Man. Yeah. Play the game. So Paul, you're saying history of payouts for Paul at Ledgestone. Yep. Yep. Okay, there's going to be radio silence for just a minute here because I'm adding, and that takes me a lot of brain brain power. Um, let's Paul, see. Paul has a ginormous can you, lead. Can you just tell me, though? Can you tell me this? How many years has Paul played it? Um, He's played six six events. Okay. Um, he has 50. I'm just going to round it. 50,000. Not even yeah, close. You are way off. Okay. What is it? A one hundred three thousand dollars and six hundred, or like one thousand one hundred three thousand. Wait, 600. he's played six events. No, he's, I'm sorry. Yeah. That might, I might have messed up there. To be honest, that might be oh. tripled what it is. Hold on, I, I might have to double. <laughs> oh, I might have to double okay. do the math. I was there. gonna say, dude, that is that, massive. That doesn't that I'm doesn't like, add up. That might be a mistake I'm on like, my part. My man is making like seventy thousand per <laughs> event, and I was like, look, it says it on here. That's probably so wrong though. But it's got to be. That's it's got to be. So let me uh. Because now I now I casually want to look up and just see like. Hold really on, quick. we do need to figure it out. So Evan's gonna look into this somehow, some way. Yeah. I'm gonna give him time I, to do that. I was mind blown by that. I was like, I didn't even know that was a possibility. If you could make that much in an event. Yeah, so that's like that's definitely a mistake on my part. I'm looking at it right now. That's hilarious. Are you able to get us the real answer? Uh, yeah, I can. I can give you a ballpark estimate. Uh, just based on how it's calculated. Closer it's to what I actually okay. said. But it is gonna be a I lot. Was gonna say, if- I think it's. I think you actually might have overdone it. Maybe just because we were hyping <laughs> yeah. it up so yeah, much. You were. I, you were. Uh, yeah. I. I'm gonna guess it's around the uh, twenty-five thousand mark. <laughs> Okay. You were hyping it up so much, and I'm like, all right. I'm like six times. I'm like, he must have made at least like ten, like eight grand at each. I'm yeah. I was mind blown because I know one of the years that Josh Anton won it wasn't it like twelve thousand bucks or something like that back in 2017. (laughs) I think when Anton won it, I think it was twelve grand. Yes. You and I got to look at that. And so then I'm thinking, okay, Paul's (laughs) played the event six times. He's won it a couple times. He's won worlds there, which I know we're not accounting for that one at the moment. But at the same time, I was kind of just like, bro, well, what? Well, oh, when Anton won it, it was only 6500 bucks. So this is so funny yeah. because yeah. the reality is we should play a game. Oh. All right, I have the accurate okay, numbers now. Yes, but then mark, mark this down or listen to this back and remember this note. <laughs> that would be a fantastic segment. We ha- Nobody else steal this idea. Other podcasts, close <laughs> your ears. Like a real, a real stat or fake? 
Ooh, like, I like that. Over six years, he made Ooh. 120 grand, real stat or fake, and that's really cool. We got to do that, stat man. No, we're definitely with that. doing that. Yeah, we're okay. definitely doing that. All right, I like that. We, we just right. call call Sunstein really quick. They're the patent <laughs> lawyer group for the Pro Tour. Call them real quick. We need to patent this game, and it's going to be a Nick and Matt show exclusive, and we're the only ones ever allowed to do it. So everyone else, stop. All right, okay, let, let me correct myself Go real ahead. quick. Yep. Uh, Paul Beth at Ledgestone has had twenty five thousand nine hundred dollars in total. <sighs> That sounds so disappointing, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so disappointed. Paul, you need to start playing better, my dude. You need to start playing better. <laughs> but over six years, okay. So it was mm-hmm. hyped up. But in my head, I'm like, six years, I averaged out like seven to 8,000 or whatever. I, I just rounded it up, like I said, 50,000. But I think 25,000, what does that break down? Uh, 25,000, just averaging over oh, six. Uh, 4,316. 4, or 300, yeah. 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 Which sounds pretty good because the payouts have really gone up in the last years that like significantly. So that's pretty good, Paul. Congratulations on that. So what else do we have for Ledstone? Cause then I want to kind of speculate and make some predictions is what I'd like to do for Ledstone. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Ricky Wysocki won last year by a total of eight strokes. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a phenomenal final round. Uh, I have it right here. One second, 1090. He shot a 51, but Macbeth still shot a 1097 for a 50, but didn't matter. He lost by eight strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, but notably, margin of victory, Paul Macbeth won in 2016, I believe, by 12 strokes, and Anton uh, in the next year by 10 strokes. Uh, so it has some massive wins. Uh, not a lot of close ones. The only one that was within three strokes in the MPO field was Nate Sexton in uh, 2018, who won over, I believe that's uh, Chris it was Dickerson. D- Dickerson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but on the other hand, uh, on the FPO field, there's been twice it's gone to a playoff. And then the last three years has been two or three strokes every single year. So it's actually been really close, which was the opposite of this past weekend, uh, flipping the divisions. Um, okay. So uh, we all got quiet for a second, which is not usual for our show, but that's because we're thinking and we're processing. What else you got? But notably, uh, Katrina Allen's second win when this was still an eight tier, uh, won by 17 strokes. Uh, but not against a nobody. It was against Sarah Hokum. Um, and then uh, Katrina Allen won in a playoff over Paige Pierce. Val Jenkins won this event uh, semi-recently um, in 2017 um, over uh, Jessica Weiss in a playoff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of exciting finishes. Um, I mean, and they recently added the two courses, so the uh, last couple of years, so I'm sure it's going to get even more interesting. So let's start the conversation then. And you can pull up more stats as we go through this, but predictions and speculation for the Ledstone, it sounds to me like we would be kind of dumb not to pick Cat, but here's the thing, because Cat's won it, you said, five times. But it's what plays her her skills, but she hasn't been putting good. I, after winning Worlds, and I'm just talking, as, I'm not saying I have answers, but after Worlds, it seemed like she took some time off, which nobody can, you know, talk bad about, really, I don't think. It's good for you. But then she's kind of just, I'm going to use the word lackluster. She's performing very well for a a competitor out on the course. But like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, well, look at, look at the preserve. Her putting stat is back to what we've seen when she's had her issues. She was 29th place in circle one putting. And as far as gained putting goes, like against the field, she was losing strokes to the average player, like losing strokes to the average player by at least two strokes to the average putter. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess my point is, going into this week, it plays to her advantage. Is she going to snap into it because this is her bread and butter? This is what she does well. Mm-hmm. Kristen's gone, and Paige isn't performing the best she can. And Haley turned it on. Like, what are we going to see, Nick? Any speculation? Any projection? I actually would put Katrina kind of as a favorite for this event, just looking at what has happened in years past. And then looking at kind of the season that Katrina is, Katrina is having a very good season. I'm kind of looking at her stats right now. Her worst finish this year is at Waco. And that's a seventh place. Every other tournament she's placed first through fifth, which she has four first place finishes. It looks like sec uh, six second place finishes. And so it really all depends on if she's putting well. And uh, I definitely think she's due for another win. I, I would, but I'm also very curious because I just saw a tweet today from Jordan Castro who said that Northwoods black is the hardest course that he's ever played. And I know the MPO layout Ooh. is longer than the FPO is longer than the FPO playout. But I mean, you're talking about an MPO player who always obviously has a solid name to himself saying that this is the most challenging course he's ever played in a good way. Cause I tweeted back at him. I was like in a bad way or a good way. He was like, nah, in a good way. So I think this is going to be huge now looking at, cause it's not just sunset Hills, which pretty sure is played on a golf course, a little bit more open. Now you're throwing in that wooded course to the mix and Katrina has done well on golf courses and wooded courses. I mean, let's talk about the world championships for a second. She won worlds playing Mulligan's golf course and the Fort wooded course. So yeah, I actually, if I'm going to pick a top three right now, I'll go Haley King, Katrina Allen, Paige Pierce with the order being Katrina Allen, Paige Pierce, uh, excuse me, Katrina Allen, Haley King, Paige Pierce would be my, would be my picks. I'll tell you this though. So someone tweeted at me just asking my predictions. A good buddy of mine on Twitter named Mikey, he tweeted at me and was like, yo, what are your predictions? And so for MPO for this is talking about the preserve for my MPO predictions, it was Calvin Eagle and Paul with Eagle winning it. And then for FPO, it was Tatar Pierce and Haley, but I think I had Paige winning it. I don't remember exactly what I said, but my FPO predictions are actually pretty good right now. So I'm going to go with Katrina taking it down. Haley can get in second. So I think Haley's right there. She puts so incredibly well. It's just like when Haley's kind of out of a tournament, she just, I feel like she just loses that little extra, like, why am I here right now? Kind of feel to it. But I'm like, if she's in contention, She's such a good player. And so I feel like that's what we are going to see with Northwoods Black, hopefully adding a massive change to this tournament. Uh, you can't see to those who are driving around or listening to their workplace, but I was nodding my head as Nick was talking about Haley when she seems like she's out of it. Everybody, I don't know if everybody agrees, but it seems like she just turns into this like, oh, I don't really care about this kind of attitude almost. Like, I I don't really care. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just here playing disc golf. Like, it seems like she loses that motivation. But that's why sometimes I think she can reset sometimes and come out the next day and play so good because she's like, hey, I'm going to go out and play good. But if she can figure out how to, yeah, have some bad things going her way, just motivate her maybe, that'd be better. But who are my Mm -hmm. picks for FPO? Honestly, it's just the FPO division is super hard. It would be like, it's not quite there yet. I would say it'd be like picking a PGA winner or, or, you know, the female PGA. It would be super hard. We're not, we're not there yet, but we're getting close. And I, I don't know. It could be anybody's, but could we go like Dark Horse and like, or Wild Horse rather? Nick and Matt show Wild Horse. And a little, who, yeah, who would I, be a I wild like the Dark Horse. horse. I've, I've always liked that. So the little Dark Horse pick that we got going on right now. No, Wild is Horse, weird. Wild Horse. 
you want to go with the wild horse? All right, <laughs> yeah. we'll go with the wild horse pick. Uh, Lydia Lyons. I think that is her first and last name. She had just played great at preserve. Evan, do you have any stats on her? If you're thinking about it right now? Oh, I do. Just give me one second. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's get some stats on her really quick because and the reason I bring her up is she was mentioned multiple times on live. She had played, I think the second round on the lead card. Uh, I didn't get to watch it yet, but she's a young gunner. And I'm pretty sure they said she's only 45 minutes away from Peoria. So I feel like she might have that slight home field advantage. And uh, she definitely made a name for herself. So like I said, she was spoken a lot about on uh, the live coverage. So, so let me just, and she, then, could, she would be my wild horse. Okay. Evan's going to give us some information on that, but right before he does, the reason why it's hard for me to make a pick on this for FPO is because in my mind, Paige Pierce has the highest, I don't want to say ceiling, but she has shown us that she can play higher than anybody. And I believe her ceiling is extremely high, but she's not doing that. So the reason it's hard for me to pick is because I'm going to have to speculate, is she going to do that this weekend? And then the same thing for Katrina. Katrina could because she's shown that she can at Ledgestone, but is she going to do it this weekend? And Haley, she is showing it. Like, so you just have to literally, and this is what picks are, does the course play to them? But then you also have to roll the dice and say, is this going to be the weekend? They feel it. And so mm -hmm. because of that, it's hard. It's going to come down between Katrina and Paige, I believe. I'm going to go, and just because you said Katrina, I'm actually going to choose Paige. All right, Evan, give us some information on this newcomer, if you will. Well, you say a newcomer, but this was actually her sixth Disc okay. Golf Pro Tour event. That's okay, because mm -hmm. I didn't hear of her before this event either. So, um, Her best Pro Tour finish before was 20th at 2019 Waco, um, and her best event rating was actually a D glow earlier at a nine fourteen point six seven. But I actually haven't checked yet, but I'm sure she might have beat that. She only finished twenty fifth place last weekend or two weekends ago now. Um and her highest rating ever um was nine sixty nine, which was round one of the preserve. Um and uh she made lead card for round two, correct? Or is it round three? She made lead card. I think, I think it was going into round two. She was on the lead card. It was round two. And she was rated 882 at the time going into the event. Mm -hmm. um, that was the first time uh, someone rated 882 or lower has been on the lead card for an elite series event since I think it was 2018 GBO, um, mm -hmm. if I'm correct, um, which was Emily Beach. Is that her name? Does that ring a bell? That's it. That, I believe that's that who I'm about. Don't don't exactly remember if she was the one, but I do know that name. So, yep. And so that was first time someone's kind of rose up from an 882 rating or lower to make lead card. Um, so I think an awesome addition to the FPO field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that those were our picks. I agree. Awesome addition. But here's the thing. Until you have a track record, it's hard to talk about them actually in the conversation. But it's it's interesting to point out, of course. They can yeah. perform. They can perform high. <laughs> they so, can perform high. <laughs> they yeah. can perform well. Yeah. Um, not high. That's I not good for PDGA. No, you don't need to get high anymore. You just buy some CBD products from Botanicals, <laughs> and we got you. Use code Nick and Matt. Um, Matt. So we just talked about FPO predictions. Let's go ahead and do MPO predictions. Yes. And I'll let you start this one out. Okay. And I have this after this, I have a super quick short topic. That was kind of intriguing to me. Okay. Before we get to MPO picks though, 
before we get to MPO picks, we got to get into our next uh, opportunity to thank those who are supporting us. All right, everybody. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a grooming problem? If so, our friends Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick it out of the planet with the Performance Package 4.0. You're going to feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job and the leaders in male grooming. Join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get yours ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com. For 20% off, use the code Nick and Matt. This is Manscaped. Nick, this is... Honestly, this sponsorship has been very cool. These guys, they sent me the weed whacker. This thing, no joke, I wanted this and I got it. And as weird as it is, here, I'll see if you can hear it on the microphone. <laughs> you can hear, I don't know how well that comes across. You yeah. st- <laughs> This is going to be awesome, everybody. You stick it up your nose. Watch, I'm doing it live. Oh, you actually hear it cutting hairs up my nose. I'm sorry about that. But it, do- <laughs> but <laughs> it doesn't hurt like at all. Like you can just like push it up there and cut around and like, guys, you can do it in your ear. If you're like me and you're super hairy, you definitely want the weed whacker. Also, this is really cool. This is called refined cologne by Manscaped. I sprayed it on earlier and my wife said, wow, it smells like you've just been freshly Manscaped. <laughs> I was like, yes, I have. This is awesome. These products are really great, guys. Really great. It's not just for below the belt. It's also up in your nasal cavities, in your ears. Nick, you haven't gotten this product yet, but when you do, you're going to love it. Yeah, because it's funny because I was just talking to you before the show about how I wanted to get the little nose trimmer one because every so often you do get that one little nose hair that comes out. And so now I'm going to be able to have a tool. To help me out with it, go to manscaped.com, use code Nick and Matt once again for a 20% discount. And I'm pretty sure, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but free shipping worldwide. worldwide. Yeah. Worldwide, so, we're talking about. So for our listeners across the pond, check it out. Use code Nick and Matt at manscaped.com. Their products are amazing. Like Matt said, join the 2 million men worldwide. Ladies, buy this for your significant other. It'll help out a lot. Yeah. And just so you know, this this weed trimmer or weed whacker, not the weed trimmer, we're not actually outside weed trimming, we're weed whacking up in our nose. And that comes with it. The lawnmower comes with it. it get the performance package. Um, mm-hmm. It's also waterproof. And guys, they also have stuff for all of your needs, including nail trimming and all of that. Use code Nick and Matt. All right, getting back into our talks for MPO picks. Um, Nick, do we go wrong picking Paul Macbeth just because? Or we've seen a lot of battles out there. And so, uh, Evan, what do we yeah. see for historical data? I think we talked a little bit about it. Like, but like who has the most wins, Paul? Uh, on the MPO side, Paul has the most wins tied with Nico LaCastro, with both having two. Nico. But Nico's, both of his wins were when it was only an eight tier, not to discredit it. Just, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, 2012 and 2014. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you expect Nico to come into that part of the conversation, Nick? uh, I actually didn't know that he won this event one time. Didn't know he won an event, uh, won this event twice. Um, So I wasn't expecting Nico's name, but obviously I was expecting to hear about him in our discussion about Ledgestone. So, 
Okay. So because of that, maybe we should just pick Nico. I mean, he, at the preserve <laughs> press conference, he says he's actually disappointed in himself. He's like, how do you go from winning Waco to like just being subpar the rest of the year? He's like, yeah. he's like, yeah. I know it's in me, but man, like what's happened? He's confused. And then if you yeah, listen to exactly. his press conference, what did he say? He goes, all you internet like trolls out there, come sure. out here and play or yeah. shut up. And he just drops the mic and walks off. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. All right. He's definitely, he's, he's fiery. And I, I like that for the sport. I think you do need to have people like that who constantly are bringing in that media attention. And I know that's not what we're talking about right now, but I do think that is something that is good for our sport. Um, all right. Is it fair to say, because the world championships were held here in 2019, they were played at both the courses. I don't think there was any significant changes versus what Ledgestone, how they ran their tournament versus how the world championships ran their tournament at Ledgestone. So is it almost fair to say Paul's won it three times in a sense? Ooh, I don't you guys know. know what I mean? <laughs> is it fair? What do you think, Evan? I think it's fair to expect him to do well again because he won worlds. I don't necessarily, yes. I think they're, they're two different achievements. Uh, mm -hmm. But as far mm -hmm. as like predicting who's going to do well, I think Paul might be your front runner. Um, I mean, Ricky's on my mind, still runner up back-to-back -back yeah. wins for this year and then runner-up compared to last year at Ledgestone and winning by eight strokes. Like, he's got yeah. this course dialed. Um, but I wanted to bring you guys to the average placing for MPO players who have played four or more Ledgestone events. So Paul and Ricky are one and two. But Chris Dickerson is third. Highest average place at Ledgestone. Um few other notable names is, you know, you have Kayla Visca and Nicola Castro at fourth and fifth, but they played it a lot when it was kind of a newer event and not pro tour. Um, mm -hmm. Matt Orham is up there as well, but then you got Kevin Jones and Calvin Heinberg. Their average finishes are 25th, even though they're fairly high on the list. There's just a lot of low finishes here. There's a lot of high finishes, a lot of low finishes. Mm -hmm. That is, that, this is great. Uh, yeah, this is great. Having Evan in studio. Um, where I'm going with this is too, though, because those are interesting stats. Because like, then you say, okay, Dickerson plays this this event pretty well, also. But for adding to the conversation, can we also include outliers? I don't know if we have any information on like people who have performed well above what was expected. Because in my mind, immediately goes to AJ Risley one year. Do you remember that? Yeah, I actually have that up as well. So I have average um, event rating compared to average rating at the time of the event. So if it's a, a young player like Haley King on the FBO side is very good in this stat because she kind of is working her way up the ratings. So it's not perfect, but it tells a good story. And out of players who have played four or more Ledgestones, Risley is the fourth highest average um, event rating compared to player rating. Um, mm -hmm. And then he has, let me, uh, 1017 average event rating. Um, his highest round rating at Ledgestone is 1076. He has finished as high as sixth, but he's also finished as low as 68th. Mm -hmm. So opportunity to go up, but not always. Yeah. And honestly, AJ has been out of the conversation this whole year. Hopefully he's still, maybe he's still hoping to come back, you know, around MVP. He had said at one point, but mm -hmm. besides that, there was another player. Now this one might not have been as big of a surprise, but Nate Sexton has seemingly performed well, or at least one year. I, I multiple years, but one year he was lead card or lead going down to the end. I'm just trying to remember. I, so my point is with this, 
this event, yes, maybe it favors Paul, but there's enough people in the conversation and there seems to be enough people that are able to shoot off a good round or two and find themselves in the lead card who we wouldn't expect. So with all of that in mind, who do we pick as our picks and then our wild horse? Because that's the wild horse who makes it to the lead card. One last thing that I kind of want to put the advantage towards Paul and Ricky about, I don't say Eagle right now in this conversation because we've seen Eagle does not generally play super well at this event. We've seen it in years past. I mean, you could probably give me his exact average finish and average rating and everything like that, but we have not seen Eagle perform overly well at the Ledgestone insurance open. Paul and Ricky both have performed well there. One of the biggest things about this event as well, it's four rounds. And Ricky and Paul are two of the best players in the world at playing four, five plus round events. And so I think that in and of itself is huge because we've noticed in years past, players have played well for two rounds at this event. They've played one one round well at Eureka, one round well at uh, Northwoods Gold. Now it's Northwoods Black, the new course. But then they go back to Eureka and all those OBs they didn't hit the first day. It just seems like that occasional wild horse who's in that lead card hit those OBs. And I'm going to talk about a really good buddy of mine. Let's talk about 2019 worlds. Anthony Barella was on the lead card at one point, went back to Eureka and did not have a good time. And I think that's kind of the difference maker when you're playing a four round event at these courses, I have to put my advantage towards Paul or Ricky. I just, I have to. Well, yeah, statistically it feels wrong to do anything else unless you have a hunch and you have an inside (laughs) scoop. Um, I'm picking Paul and not because of past performance, but because he has been demonstrating since worlds that he is full force, if you will. And honestly, I I don't want to say that. Oh, there's Ricky again. Sorry. I put up the wrong screen. (laughs) That's so funny (laughs) when that happens. Um, But now I'm all sidetracked. What I was going to say is like Eagle hitting that massive putt. I think it was hole 16 to finish out the preserve. And Paul missing it, that was the difference Mm -hmm. between, I think, a playoff happening or not because the way it played out. So, I mean, it's one putt we're talking about. So, my point is, I think Paul is playing really well. It could be anybody's game, but I'm picking Paul at the advantage at Ledgestone. Uh, I'm not second and third, sure. Could it be Eagle? I don't think he's performed that well. I Hearing what you said about Chris Dickerson, if Chris Dickerson's going to be there, I think I pick, you know, in the top to be Ricky and then Chris Dickerson, let's say. And then Wild Horse. this one's just kind of way out there. It's a shot in the dark kind of Nico just because of his past, apparently being able to do it and really having mm-hmm. that fire burning in him to go do it. So those are my picks. Nick, you already kind of made yours. Did you give us your wild horse? Uh, I haven't given a wild horse yet. I guess I'll kind of go down the list a little bit and think about a wild horse. I mean, one, one name that I am curious to see how he plays here is James Proctor. We've had him on in the show in the past and he's a definitely an open bomber kind of player. He's got a long shot, but we saw him play well in a wooded course at Santa Cruz. And so he has all parts of his game dialed in. Uh, but if I'm going to go wild horse, what do we consider wild horse? Like I know Nico right now, he's kind of like a little up and down, but I mean, is it wild <sighs> to say the James Conrad or is he not wild enough anymore? Yeah. See, that's the, you know yeah. what I mean? What does well, Evan think? That's do you where, want some insight into can... James Conrad at Ledgestone? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I would love uh, James actually plays eight. Uh, his event rating is eight points lower than his average player rating. His highest finish is eighth and his lowest finish is 64th, but his average finish 33rd. Okay. All right. I have my wild horse pick and it's definitely, it is a wild horse. Who did we see play very well at Deglo? who we have not seen play in the past too, too much. Matt, Kyle, you know, Kyle Klein. Nope. 
I don't consider him a wild horse anymore. That kid's that kid's freaking good. He is real good. I'm oh, talking about the what's third his place name? player. What's his the name? Third, tell me his name, and I'll tell you that's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> the third place player yes. at D-Glow, Corey, Corey thank Ellis. You. Yes, that Corey. dude bombs, and he does this like quick little three step run up. And if he, it's it's very funny because look at James Conrad's run up versus look at Corey Ellis's run up, and it's just crazy. You can get the same amount of distance. All depends on what your body wants to work with. Um, but I definitely think that he'll have a good showing at this event. I'm actually really excited to see him play. I, I did enjoy very much watching his Deglo performance because it's someone who we haven't seen in the past. It's good to get like new new people in the mix. I loved watching Kyle bat it out with Eagle. I don't even think we could talk enough about that. That was a very fun battle to watch. But uh, Corey Ellis, he's my wild horse. I'm, uh, I'm you know, I'm going to guarantee he's on lead card last round. Well, guarantee? We just, just went kidding, from not, wild horse to guaranteeing. Definitely. Definitely not going to guarantee that, but uh, he's my wild horse pick to do well at this event, but I got Paul winning it. Ricky definitely in second place. Ooh, can we do over under on Eagle, like getting better or worse than eighth place? I just uh, picked I think eighth. he plays better. So under eighth place, I'll say the under. Okay. I think when we do these pick shows like what? this, where we pick, it's always fun to listen back after the event to be like, how know, right? good or how bad were we? Yeah. Evan, help us out. What was Eagle at World Championships and Ledgestone in 2019? What were his places? Ooh, all right. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that pulled up. Give me a second. Yeah, you got some time. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'll, I'll say this. While he's looking that up, I want to bounce back really quick to preserve. And the reason I want to bounce back quick, this year has been the shakeup of tea times, okay? Women are playing in the afternoon. Men are playing in the morning. And one of the reasons is I've seen so much talk about certain players kind of getting the advantage of consistently playing off in the afternoon. If you noticed Paul Macbeth teed off around, I think it was nine 40 ish or 10 40 ish earlier than normal. Okay. Normally we see Paul teeing off at those last, you know, those uh, late tee times, but like this event, the preserve, he teed off early in the morning and was second place after the first round. And so I'm curious what people's mindsets are. Do you think it's an advantage teeing off in the afternoon? Do you think it's an advantage in the morning? We cannot control the weather. There are some times where I'll play around, like at Worlds, uh, I think it was round three, that we all played mulligans. The A-pool played mulligans course. And in the morning, it was pretty windy. I think there was even actually a little bit of rain. But then it seemed like when the lead card or the chase card teed off, all the wind just like completely shut off. And obviously, you can't control the weather. You can only control how you play in that weather for the most part. So I'm not one yet to complain about when I tee off versus when I don't tee off. <laughs> But um, I'm just curious what other people think about it. Well, that's a fair point, too, to consider. And actually, that's something as as the world of disc golf grows and as Statmando grows and all that, like eventually you'd be able to have all of this correlating data to say like, OK, when Paul's teed off before this time, like and pull out crazy stats. Mm -hmm. But we're not there yet. And so right now it's just pure speculation. Does Paul play better when he's not on a feature card? Like mm -hmm. and like in first rounds, in first rounds, mm -hmm. like that could mm -hmm. be interesting to find out. Mm -hmm. So, some quick insight into Eagle in the 2019 World Championships uh, at Eureka. It was at Eureka all five rounds. I had it in my head at Northwoods, but it was not. No, it was it was it was, it was Northwoods three of the rounds. No, I'm sorry, two of the rounds. Okay, it went Eureka Northwoods, Eureka Northwoods, Eureka. Okay, so I don't know which one's which. PDG has it listed as Lake Eureka for all five rounds, so we'll have to go off for a memory. But in round two, Eagle shot a 67, which was, oh gosh, 16 strokes Macbeth, and a pretty far back, a lot of people rated 997. 
but he came back yeah. in round three and it looks like he shot the hot round of a 49 which was an 1107 rated round yeah that was round two to so three he, so round two he played northwoods and then round three he went out and i'm pretty sure it is the standing course record unless ricky beat that i don't 100 remember but that might be the course record for eureka that 49 <laughs> that he shot yeah and, it is round so if he played Eureka one, three, and five rounds, yep. uh, those yep. were his three best rounds. And then two and four were his uh, worst rounds, especially mm-hmm. bad with round two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm looking at that now. He went 1046, 1107, 1073 at Eureka, but then 997 and 1036. So he's only averaging, what, about 1015 at Northwoods, but then he's averaging like almost 1060, 1070 at Eureka. So yeah, above 1070 at Eureka. Yeah. That that Northwoods course, man, that's you know, apparently now Ooh. it's the hardest course out there. So I'm I'm very curious what this Northwoods black course is gonna look like. One of the biggest things is D just happened and Nate Heinold this year became the tournament director of that event. And all I've heard is good things that happened that event. All I hear Ledgestone for the most part, there are some things that are have been off in years past, but Nate Heinold. I think deserves to win tournament director of the year every single year for how he runs and funds money for these events, how he treats his staff and everything like that. And the man's doing incredible things. And so this whole Northwoods black course, I think he had just posted a picture on Instagram and he was talking about how the people kind of running the course or the city or whatever, it costs like $250,000 to get it to where it's at right now. And so, I mean, what that man is doing for this tournament and now other tournaments that he is becoming TDs of is nothing short of incredible. Wait, did he pay for that advertisement? No? Okay. <laughs> Nick, just, Nick shrugs. Here, okay, no, that's fair. I, I actually think he's a great TD as well, and there's going to be consistency that comes with that for sure. Um, one other name, because we're still talking about Ledgestone, Emerson Keith. Do you remember that? Emerson? So I'm putting him kind of in the conversation with like the, the performances of Sexton and even AJ when AJ, I don't want to say blew it, but he blew it. Like Emerson has demonstrated lead card uh, finishes or going into the final round lead cards. Emerson Keith, um, I don't know if he'd be a wild horse, but like that's someone to look out for as well. Um, There's just so many Matt Orem, right? Uh, Honestly, guys, Mm -hmm. everyone, we tried to get Matt on tonight. It didn't work out tonight. He's down to come on. Technical things prevented it this week. Um, I'm just thinking like Kevin Jones been playing okay but I don't know that he's going to come out strong at Ledgestone and be able to take it down against a stacked field who plays that really well. Kyle Klein could be. Uh, There's so many names in it right now that it's really hard to pick, but we already did. Kyle Klein's having a season. I love watching it. You know, it's, it's good to watch. Okay. Here's another fun segment that I thought up while we were talking earlier. Well, not a segment so much as I say, it'd be a video content segment. The Olympics. So this is kind of relevant because during the Olympics right now, I don't know how many people watch that. It's been kind of interesting, you know, this year, maybe it's just because it's pushed off, whatever. But the Olympics, I always think to myself, can you show me the average person doing that skill before the Olympic professional does that skill? Because like, I want to see like, okay, so the field events, there's like something called the hammer throw. I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. seen this and the discus throw. Which, by the way, the discus throw is about yeah. 15 to 20 plastic disc golf frisbees in your hand. That's how heavy it is, 15 to 20. And they throw it over 200. Oh, they throw it over 200 feet. Now, show the average person, like, I don't know, 
I'm I'm going to call myself average. Let me go out there and try to whip that disc and let's see. Yeah. Like I threw it like 60 feet. Okay, cool. But here's my point with disc golf, Jomez, I'm calling on you. Get me out there to play Northwoods Black and film me during your practice round. <laughs> like with Yuli and yeah. with Big Germ, just yeah, yeah. so people can see like I'm not clearing long shots. Like I'm not I'm throwing yeah. in the water everywhere like I just want people to see, okay, Matt, you're average. You're like a 959, you're 960, 950 yeah, rated player. Yeah, like yeah. here's literally how hard that course is. Like yeah. that would be a cool segment. I don't know how many people would appreciate it, but so I'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of counteract that a little bit really quick. You can kind of see that week in and week out at tournaments that we have right now at any single one of these big massive events. And I want to bring <laughs> it back to the world championships really quick. Let's take Paul Macbeth at the world championships or James Conrad at the world championships. They shot 39 down. Okay. You're talking about two of the best players in the world. Paul being arguably the best. And now let's bring it down to an average person at the world championships being none other than Nicholas Carl. And I played well at the world championships. I played above my average at the world championships and I only shot nine down. Mm. So I got, I got beat by Paul and James playing the same exact courses, the same exact layouts for the most part, the same weather conditions. And they beat me by 30 strokes over the course of five rounds. I mean, just one round, let alone I can take, let's, let's take just the last round. James shot a 54, Paul shot a 55 and I shot a 58. Okay. So I got beat by four strokes and three strokes and granted everyone can say could have, should have, would I should have made some putts that I missed. But at the same time I played well, I played that round. I played way above my rating and I'm still getting beat by a substantial amount. So, I mean, you can kind of see it in YouTube vlogs where you have players like, let's take, <laughs> let's take me when I'm on usually one of Paul's vlogs or Simon's vlogs or Brody's vlogs. Like they normally play a lot better than me. You can take, you know, go to 2020 when Casey was first getting onto Simon's vlogs, you see them play around. Usually Simon is the one who it's like, Holy crow. It looks like he's playing amazing, but it's because he's playing next to an average guy at the same time. So that's kind of how I look at it. You can almost see it week in and week out what the Olympics would be like. Like if you were to take the best player in the world versus just an average player, yes, we but almost Nick, see that week in and week out. You're not an average player, but I get your point. Like let's actually, and someone commented on me saying right. 950 was average. I agree. I think if we were to actually pick a real average, are we talking like 910 to 925, like somewhere in that range where let's put them but, up on a pro card, feature card and see what happens. No, no, no. But every single like, I know I what you mean. Myself, I consider myself an average pro when I go out and play okay. pro tour events. Average pro. So like, okay. Yeah, exactly. So I think like if you, I, you know, and th this is the only place where I kind of see, actually there's a couple different places, but this is one of the places where I see ratings actually work out pretty well because say I'm a thousand rated guy, I'm 999 and Matt, you're 950. I'm, you uh, I'm almost 960. I'm 959. Okay, so nine fifty nine. So let's say I'm a thousand, and let's say you're nine sixty. Yep. We kind of look at that as it's almost for every ten points is one stroke. Let's just say it like yeah, that. average so it. That's fine. On average, on average, I should beat you by four strokes every single round. And so I kind of look at like that's where like what is the average pro? What's the average am? You know, do you want to take? Sure. Do you want to take a 920 level player who can play pro events, but is probably more considered an amateur player? And then, yeah, if you throw them up against Paul Macbeth, I mean, same thing. We can look at that. There was 
you know, uh, but Worlds doesn't cut. So it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> that. That's but, an interesting topic. And you're, you're yeah, elaborating yeah. on my point. I think it would be totally entertaining at least once. It would be uh, super fun. Well, would be, just, I, would, I would love to watch. I would love to watch a legitimate practice round of like, let's say Matt Graham goes up against Paul McBeth and maybe we'll do this for MVP open. Maybe we can convince Paul to do this to legitimately like score you two against each other. Yes. You're playing the same exact course, but then let's, <laughs> let's do it like this, Matt, let's <laughs> throw you on whites. Let's play you no. on whites. And Matt plays car, uh, Paul well, plays golds. Well, yeah, because it'd be so, but no, but the reality actually, actually that uh, we have to, we have to try to flesh this out to make it happen because I think it would be super entertaining because people would want to watch Paul, but like I wouldn't, it wouldn't be entertaining necessarily to see how bad I am. But to just show how incredible Paul actually is, because hole one, I'm throwing in the water. Hole two, I'm not reaching the basket. There, there's so many water clearing holes that I'm just throwing in the water, probably, mm-hmm. unless I have the, the tournament of my life. But that would be interesting. be very funny. I think we should figure it out. Or I have yeah. Simon. I can, we could get Simon, right? Simon, if you're listening, exactly. let's make this happen. Yep. That would be funny, yep. too. Um, I also, we, we've talked about this, Matt. And, you know, this is something that we are probably trying to do in somewhat of the near future. But Matt and I last year put out a video of our kind of like, I think it was called augmented reality of us doing field work. Super awesome video, wicked fun to do. But we did that. We also want now, same thing. That's kind of an Olympic style field games. Now let's take one of the number one, the number two, the number three player in the world. Let's have them do those exact same things and see how much they beat us. Like, I think that's one (laughs) of the crazy fun opportunity that we can do. I agree. All right, we've we're, we've gotten pretty much to the end of all the stat stuff. Is there anything that was like jaw dropping or really cool, Evan, that you were like hoping to share? Anything that's significant that you were hoping to share before we were done with the stats? Well, I was just thinking you were talking about how you think you're an average player being oh, okay. 950 rated. Um, we actually had this conversation. Not we in general, people were having this conversation uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, as in finding out that there is approximately 350,000 rated players uh, in the world. And that's at a 90,000. Okay. PDJ even said this themselves. It's over 90,000 active members. Uh, we have calculated roughly 18,000 people have played at least one round being their rating rated 900 or over. So mm-hmm. you got to, uh, that's not factoring how many players haven't played an event yet and haven't gotten a rating, but that is 900 is pretty almost like kind of high percentile. So I think, you know, people in the chat are saying around 850, 860, that'd be probably closer to my guess, especially with the new influx mm-hmm. of players. That's maybe something we can look into and get back to you guys, but very cool. 950 is still pretty good in my eyes. <laughs> All right. Fair. I'll, I'll like take that. the kudos yeah. and we'll see. I did. I averaged this event, this last event, I averaged 950, yeah. which is nine below my point. I shot a 971 and then like a 930 or something. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't about me, but I think we could get some cool content. Um, so wrapping up. This, Matt, I, yeah, go I ahead. I had one last, I had one last thing and I'm curious because we, you know, Evan and Statmando have gone along with the whole cash per throw uh, stat that we had talked about earlier this year. And so for me, like, seeing the influx of cash this year has been really, really cool. I want to see like what different avenues where this money is coming from for added events, because the preserve was, I think what they said was it was the highest added cash event that's ever been played. Correct me if I'm wrong. Someone can do that. I have no problem with that, but it's awesome to see that disc golf is growing into a sport to where people's lives are substantially changing. And that's happened a lot this year. And so Matt, if you could tell me, who do you think this year when it comes to cash earnings, who are the top five players tournament wise cash earnings? 
and this is not FPO or MPO. It's both. It's all around. It, yep, both. Man, uh, Katrina is in the conversation, I think, and Eagle and Ricky, and Paul's in five. The, yeah, Paul, five. Then Paul would be in the top five. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe Calvin. He had a lot of top five, three finishes for a while, but okay. What's the answer? So I'll give you it really quick. I'm not going to do everyone's exact cash value, but actually I can do it kind of quick. Paul McBeth at 44,000, Eagle McMahon at 35,000, Ricky Wysocki at 34,000. These are my two favorite ones. I actually didn't know this and I was really pumped to see it. Paige Pierce at 33,000 and Katrina Allen at 32,714. Right behind her though for sixth is James Conrad at 32,653. So it is really cool to see two of the top two FPO players in that conversation. And I think Haley King is like 11th or 12th on that list at 20,000. Lisa fake is own Scoggins. Like they're all above a lot of players who you think would be above them. Right. So it's, it's pretty cool to see the amount of money that people are making. Now I know it's less than every other sport out there. You could not less than every <laughs> other sport, but like it's, it doesn't look like a lot for the outside world, but when you're in the disc golf world, it is a lot. Yeah. And just to give you the numbers, you are preserve, uh, overall purse for the event was seventy five thousand dollars, and the elite that's an elite series event record with forty two thousand dollars added cash. Yeah. Added cash forty two thousand. I remember back in the day. I say back in the day when like the Vibram Open was a thing at Maple Hill, um, and yeah. I remember this was possibly ten years ago or eleven or twelve years ago, and it was like fifty thousand dollar total purse payout. That was everything. FPO MPO fifty thousand total. Yeah. And now we're adding extra $42,000 to an event. So, you know, like it's, it's getting along, it's coming along, Nick, it's, it is yeah. pretty cool. All right, dude, we, we, we used to brag to people about, you know, let's say 2013, Paul won the MVP <laughs> open, Vibram open back then he won three grand. And I remember bragging to people like, dude, that, that dude just made three grand throwing discs for a living in the woods. <laughs> and I think back then it was probably only at three, maybe four round event at the world championships that year, he won five grand. So I'm like, dude, look at what's changed yep it's awesome it's awesome uh yeah so here's the quick hitting news items i say quick hitting because we're not going to spend a lot of time unless something really sticks out sticks out to us about it this is the first time there's ever been an event i think that was almost canceled because of smoke it looked almost like end of the world type video coverage at one point it was like yeah, right. Would we have like a nuclear holocaust? Like it was like super weird. Yeah. Like uh so smoke was interesting. Also another interesting I'm just giving you the whole mixed bag here. Brody announced his withdrawal from the Ledgestone because his wife tested positive for COVID. But interestingly in his story that he recently posted, he said he was streaming with the Bogey Bros. <laughs> he mm -hmm. said that what do you do when you have COVID? So does he have COVID too? I don't know, but he did say that. Uh he said, "What do you do when you have COVID?" Uh let us know Brody if you're in the chat. Hopefully, if you do have it, you're getting better. You don't have symptoms. That'd be great. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see. Do, do, do. What else do we have here? Oh, right now, actually, and when I sign out, I'm turning it on. Some of you may be watching live. ESPN right now is streaming their two-hour event from the Portland Open. Um, it, you're probably listening to this. Most of our people don't listen live. Uh, if you thought it was great, let us know. Comment. Let us know what you thought about the event. We have no comments right now because we're not watching it live. Um, mm -hmm. We would be remiss not to talk about just a little bit, Nick. Um, Masters Pro Pro Master Worlds, the World Championship. Mm, yep. Dave, Dave Felberg, yep. Steve Rico, 
Philo, uh, Johnny McRae, like there are names there that have been competing for a long time. And in some way, in some way, it makes me feel, I don't, the sad's not the right word, but it's like, they now don't compete at the highest level, you know, MPO. They re- resolve to like, I'm just going to call it what it is. I'm sorry. The old man's like world championship. Like, yeah. and yeah, yeah. that's so cool for them. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit hard for me to get excited about. And that's just my take on it. Is it important? Is there value? Are, is their win when they win going to be super significant and a mark in their belt? Yeah. All of those things. Yes. But it's just not exciting me very much. Maybe well, if there was live coverage, maybe I'd watch it. Yeah. What I want to know is why Barry Schultz isn't playing that event because Barry Schultz is one of my all time favorite players. And so I'd obviously, he'd be the one I was rooting for. Um, sure. But is he playing Ledgestone? Is that why he's not going to it? Matt, keep talking. Quick. Yeah. <laughs> keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Um, Evelina and her wins. She's won, I believe, her sixth win in a row. Is that, is that, Evan, do we have any stats on European stuff? Or is that outside of our scope? Uh, it's not outside of our scope, <laughs> but I have not done it yet. Okay, but I can that's fine. get to it. No, that's fine. I think she had six wins, and she says her eye is on the European Championship. Now, not to be confused with the European Open, which is a major. Uh, there's a notable player, Nick, who won the European Championships. That's a friend of ours named Simon Lazat. That's his mm-hmm. European win. That's a big event for him. And then finally, my last little news note here while you're l- looking up that last piece of information. PDGA Board of Directors was just announced. Were you a part of voting? That's my question to the audience, the chat. There were a significant amount of votes coming in. Um, I wonder if I'm seeing the total here. I'd have to scroll and I don't have it all the way down. There was 16, 22, 28. I'm adding out loud. Um, looks like about 50,000. That's pretty good. Unless well, those are multiple people voting each, for different people. Each person has three yeah. votes. Sorry. I think it was around yeah. 18,000. Okay. I was just going to divide it then by three. Uh, yeah. So about 18,000 votes. And you know what's fun to do here? And by the way, if I say the names, you may or may not know them. Leah, and I don't know how to say her last name. I'm going to give it a I try. Know the t- I know the T.S. So yeah, Sinagini or something. And then Wilbur Wallace. I do yeah. know that name. David Schreff got voted in. Now, what's fun to do is look at the write-in candidates. I don't know if you've ever done that. Like Nate Sexton's on there, Simon Lazat. All these names are in there. It's really fun to look at, yeah. see who people are voting for with the write-ins. But that's my news uh, items. Nick, what did you got? What did you find? Barry Schultz is playing the event. I was looking in the red wrong category. I thought it, I didn't think he was over 50 years old, but apparently he is because he's playing MP 50. So I don't know, Barry, I'm sorry. I didn't know your age. I know we're not <laughs> friends or anything like that, but we're rooting for you. I do want to give a shout out to Jay Yeti Redding though. I actually got to talk to him a little bit more at worlds. Wicked. Awesome. Dude came right up to me, you know, said hi, everything like that. So I wish him the best of luck. He is also playing at pro masters world championships and all that fun stuff. A shout out to the chat. And I know they sometimes feel like we ignore them. And sometimes we do because they're doing a lot. But a lot of times we do see what's going on. And someone made a pretty good point. Uh, Let me see here. I I do want to give a shout out. Uh, Sue. She's a regular listen. Sue and Raleigh. Mm -hmm. If Kristen gets trounced in Europe, 
We have an idea or the European Championship. We have an idea of the current state of the FPO. Is there any validity mm-hmm. to that statement? Kristen just came over here and pretty pretty strongly beat out a the best yeah. field in the world, minus Evelina. If she goes over and beats Evelina handily, does that say anything about like everything? I think that's where it's kind of different. Like you can't judge it off of one tournament. You know what I mean? Like you just can't. You have to judge it off of multiple tournaments. If Kristen goes over there and loses by five strokes to Evelina, but we see that Evelina averaged way above her rating and just had an absolute kick-ass weekend, like we can't say that, you know, she's 100% the best player in the world because we have to look at it as ongoing. Obviously, Evelina's having an incredible year, but if we had like three tournaments in a row of Kristen versus Evelina, then yeah, we could get a better picture on where Evelina stands in it. But at the same time, you look at it, if you have two tournaments, each one of them wins once by two strokes apiece. Like, how do we rate it? You know what I mean? Is Kristen the best player in the world at the moment right now then? And so it's tough. You can't do it off of one tournament. That's like saying after the world championships, James Conrad and Katrina Allen were the best players in the world at the time, not knocking anything against their skill because they are both insanely great players. But you can't do it off of one tournament. Ricky was just <laughs> saying that earlier. It's anyone's weekend who's playing consistently the best. Right. Nick, you can't. This is what happened last week when we were talking about can we call, we had UDISC on, can we call Evelina the best in the world? This was the problem. People were like, well, think about this. Uh, Kristen beat, or Evelina beat Kristen. Kristen beat Paige. So Evelina is better than Paige. I'm like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's not quite how sports work. Like, yes, that means, that means probably there's, I don't even say probably. That means that the potential is there. Yes. Like it could happen, but that doesn't mean yep. anything. But it's like it's saying sports. the Celtics I'm okay beat the Nets, that. the Nets yeah. beats the Lakers, but the Lakers <laughs> beat the Celtics. And then it's like, okay, well, who's actually the best team in the world then? It's well, like the Jets beat the Patriots back in the day. And it was like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. The New York Giants ruined two uh, Super Bowls for us off of miracles. And it doesn't still mean bitter. they're the best team. We're, oh, yeah. We're still bitter. still bitter. People are going to yeah. comment on that. Get over it. It was like 20 years yeah. ago now. But okay. I will, I will never because we watched disappointing things happen evan <laughs> you're, evan's still in the room everybody he's being a good sport are yeah. you nate i forget are you native to new, new england yeah um, so i was born in massachusetts but pretty much lived my whole life in southern new hampshire so i mean boston area about the same so distance. the patriots were your team or not uh, yeah big patriots fan all, all boston teams cool, yeah, yeah. I, i'm still bitter about uh, the <laughs> undefeated season yeah. i i would to bring it into disc golf I, I saw a lot of people comparing uh james's shot to david tyree's helmet catch yeah. And I just want to be like, no, I don't think so at all. Cause James like had a great shot. Like Tyree, I thought they're like, yeah, they did it and they won, but I thought there's a lot of luck in that catch. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of luck in Conrad's shot. Like I, well, I would compare just, it more. You just opened up our show to be another 30 minutes long. So <laughs> well, great job. Okay. Real quick. <laughs> I just, I think it's more similar to Malcolm Butler's interception where it, it was a rough position, but made a great opportunity out of it, uh, which, you know, maybe you could change it up depending on your biases, but that's where I You stand. can also call that the biggest dumbass move by the Seattle Seahawks for throwing at that oh, position well, when they had Lynch sitting right there. It's d- like, don't get me started on I, that. Statistically, yeah, it like, actually made sense to pass, but that's a, that's a 30, 45 minute topic right there. Yeah, we're not getting into it. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay, so... 
anyways, yeah, people are saying dominance index is literally about who beats who over time. That is a whole nother topic. But and, and so they're saying me making fun of or saying the reality is you can't say, well, this person beat that person. So this person beat that. I would actually accept that over a long period of time, but not a, oh, well, she just beat her. And then she went and beat this person. Like I'm yeah. talking about the one after one after one. Like, yes, give me a dominance record with a track, uh, uh, you know, a history. Uh, um, mm-hmm. solid track record. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Nick, yeah. I think we've made it to the end of the show. It's been great having Evan on tonight. Um, yeah. Again, comment. Let us know. Earlier, we saw some comments coming in saying, yes, let us know if you should come back. He has the invite. <laughs> and, we, and we do have that segment. That segment is this, we yeah. call it fact or fiction, but somebody had a name. Here's, here's my comment takeaway. Everyone comment. What should that segment be called? Someone said it should be called like, stat or matt <laughs> as in like <laughs> is this matt's math or is this like a real stat yeah so comment well, what do you think it should be the, called the stats math this week kind of didn't add up in one of the areas so can we even trust that mando anymore do oh we, man like, no. do we do we do we call dion to, do we call dion to come out here every week like what, what are we at right now we want to renegotiate I, our sponsorship uh, yeah. oh man yeah. I, I, I had to look i had to look like a fool in front of millions of people <laughs> all this is that no. I'm, I'm dying over here now i gotta get off the show nick we've already made ourselves look like fool over the previous 54 episodes it's nothing new hey you're absolutely not because, wrong about that. Because remember, and honestly, I feel bad when we, I'm going to laugh for the rest of my life when we're like, <laughs> we're like, did you hear this episode, Evan? Where we're like, welcome, Ricky. Congratulations on being the highest rated player in the oh, world. And, then and he's great. like, he's like, thanks. And he wasn't even the <laughs> highest rated player in the world. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, they were going back and forth all the time. I'll give you a break there. All right. All right. So, yeah, Exactly. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to week number 54, and we really, really appreciate you spending the two hours with us. To anyone listening at home, check it out on the podcast platforms. We're there. Go ahead, leave a review. People watching us live, we'd love it. Matt loves to read the chat and get us going with it. We appreciate Evan coming in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment on the channel and everything like that. It helps us out with the YouTube algorithms, and more people will be able to see it with the more kind of action we're getting on the videos. So tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Yeah, and everything like that. Nick, you're awesome. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.